Okay. Hello again, everybody. We're back after a brief hiatus. Um, we, you know, just uh, <laughs> wanted to come back, do some another review for you guys. So we've kind of been on a 90s kick. I don't know how it happened, but it happened. We just fell into the 90s and we haven't been able to get out, but it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, yeah, the last thing we talked about was Cube, which is like a, a really great kind of indie sci-fi horror movie. It's the most indie sci-fi horror movie you could ever watch. It really kind of is, basically. Um, that's like the, the prototype, I would think. So this is kind of on the other end of the scale, but it is another 90s sci-fi movie. This is a sci-fi sort of adventure movie from uh, Luc Besson, the guy who made um, La Femme Nikita and um, Leon the Professional. This is the, the fifth element, uh, which is an action-adventure movie with Bruce Willis, Gary Oldman, and Mila Jovovich, and there's some other really cool uh, actors in it. Ian Holmes in it, Chris Tucker's in it. Um, the guy, the guy who we we see as the president of the Federation, is uh, Debo <laughs> from Friday, um, and Luke Perry's in this too. Cool. So, uh, did you remember watching this as a kid? I know what the characters looked like. I would say that I've never seen this movie before. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, that's exciting. <laughs> Very cool. And so, it has another opening in Egypt in the night in the teens. So <laughs> this, this is this is very kind of spot on because this so this came out before uh yeah what Stargate? Uh, Stargate Stargate yeah this, this came out before Stargate but it's very kind of similar thing right it's like oh in Egypt there are these secret hieroglyphs and you know I, they never really kind of like say oh well the the aliens built the pyramids to then power this weapon. They don't say that, but that's kind of implied. It's kind of, it's, I don't know if it's necessarily implied, but it's definitely implied that they built this structure, whatever yeah. it was. So, yeah, but still it's Egypt and aliens. <laughs> yeah. 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 Alien, ancient aliens. Like we can't get away from it. We can't get away from like, ancient aliens. I think now we kind of see why that thing blew up because people are like people are into that man people are way into the ancient aliens theory. they really are and like part like i've always said like part of it's fun but another part of it's just like I yeah i know it's like again ancient aliens okay <laughs> but yeah, okay. It's, it's a dated thing i don't think we've seen anything too recent about aliens where it's Egypt or anything. I think maybe it's so that it's died out a little bit. History Channel's trying to keep it alive, though, you know. History, History Channel lives on that. Like, they absolutely live on <laughs> on the idea of, like, you know, uh, ancient aliens. Like, that's, that's like, 90% of their content. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so it opens in Egypt. So we get this, like, kind of cool sequence uh, of, like, space and then, like, something kind of going really quickly towards earth and then we see a spaceship come come a, approaching earth uh and then yeah it's this egyptian dig site and we get this funny line aziz light turn on the light because <laughs> yeah. it's got this kid who's like reflecting light onto the it's got like this giant mirror yeah mm -hmm. uh and so then there's this guy billy is there with him who's played by luke perry oh that was uh, luke perry i have no idea what luke perry looks like so i <laughs> i had no idea I was, I was like, so I'm guessing you didn't watch Beverly Hills 90210. 
I didn't have a TV <laughs> when that was popular. I didn't watch. I think I, I remember watching like uh, a couple seconds of it and just being like, I don't like this. Yeah, like it was. That it wasn't what, for me. When Dawson's Creek 902, whatever it was called, or Gilmore Girls or anything like that was popular, like I was outside in the woods and didn't know it existed. <laughs> Yeah, that, that sounds a lot better. It's just, you know, it's just a teeny bopper drama, you know. Stay by the Bell is like the comedy, comedy, comedic version of that. Okay. So, yeah, anyway, but he was big. He was big, big, big in the 90s because of that show. Really big. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, this was kind of a fun, I guess, cameo-ish kind of thing. Or it is kind of like a cameo because, uh, you know, he's he's in it. But not for like a super long amount of time. Three um, minutes of screen time, a day of work, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It, 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 yeah, it was basically a day. So yeah, Luke Perry and this other guy—they're at this this big site and they're just like checking out these hieroglyphs. And the guy's like, "Oh, this thing—it's—it's it's like the greatest discovery ever. Um, it shows the the battle of good and evil. Every five thousand years, the elements grow come together to to deter the great evil." Um, and so then this priest comes and he's like trying to poison them. Just kind of, yeah, he feels up. bad about it, but he is trying to poison. Them. Yeah, yeah, no, for real. He's, but yeah, you're right. He does. He's like, I don't want to do it, but I, you know, my, I have to do it. Like my boss would be really mad if I don't. Yeah. Well, it's it almost seems like a situation where it's like, I think my boss wants me to do this, but it's like it's like when someone screws up at work. And they're like, oh man, what do I do? Maybe I should just uh, kill everybody. <laughs> like that's almost like what. Yeah, no, we don't want to do that, dude. <laughs> and it's kind of funny because they play it off for last, but that's basically what he's what he's thinking. Um, so yeah, he brings some poison water and he tries to poison them. He's like, oh great, you you found this great discovery. Let's drink. Mm-hmm. And he's like, gives him the water and he's like, can't toast with water and he throws it out. <laughs> I only brought one vial of poison. I know. Damn it. Um, and then the aliens arrive. Like the ship comes down, and we see the aliens. The, they're they're called the uh, the Manda Mandashiwan. That's what they're called. Their alien race. So, what did you think of these spacesuits that they had on these um, aliens? I thought it was very um, non-traditional. You know, usually when we're talking about like space gods, well. Aliens who have some sort of like godlike element associated with them because like what they're it's 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 a it's pretty godlike. Um, they're not what you usually see or imagine, especially in the nineties. Um, so I liked that it was very unconventional. They just look like a bunch of like chubby insects um, <laughs> with tiny heads, um, and I like that. I thought it was very a very unconventional. A lot of things in this movie are very bulky and very. Yeah. Not always square, but they've got like weird dimensions yeah. and like it's like a ovular. Yeah. Um, and I liked it. I thought that it was neat. I, like I said, it wasn't something that I'd really seen before. This movie definitely has its own flavor of sci-fi. Yeah. Like every shot is like a different flavor, and I feel like it's definitely within that same kind of like farscapey, like weird, very weird looking um, type of sci-fi that. It tends to be overshadowed by like more popular sci-fi aesthetics, if you will. Yeah, yeah, I, I really liked. Yeah, as a kid, like I, the more I watch this movie, the more I just like really just love it. Um, 
they, they the way that they portray these aliens is just so interesting. Yeah, because they're um, clunky and they kind of waddle and stuff. It's very, they're not very graceful. Like, you can tell if like, it falls down, how the hell is it going to get up? You know no what I mean? way. It's like a turtle. Yeah. Would you stop scratching at the blankets? Please? Oh, okay. <laughs> Alright. Sorry. She's yeah, demanding to get under the covers. Yeah. Oh. There we go. Gotta let her let her do what she wants. Um, she is burrowed now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was just so cool. And and again, it's like they did a practical suit for whatever these things were. And it just looks really cool. It looks really cool. Um, yeah, it's held up so very well. It's not some it's not, it doesn't look like crap in my opinion. I mean, it's, it's somebody in a suit. I'm assuming it's someone in a suit and there's like 10 of them. So yeah, I thought it was a good prop. Costume. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. Um, but yeah, they, they come, they show up and then the priest's like, Oh, they have arrived. Uh, and then they, and then the guys, the, the, um, archeologist guy sees him. He's like, are you guys German? He's like, no. <laughs> we're not, we're not and then they, they kind of knock him out or whatever using their space alien powers um and then yeah one of them says to the priest oh, war is coming the stones are not safe on earth anymore uh and so and also the fifth element was on earth too they had the fifth element in this uh interesting i don't even know what you would call that thing it's like a metal it's, yeah, al- like, it's almost like like a sarcophagus almost because we're going with the Egypt, Egyptian yeah. theme, but it's very not at the same time. Like the, the face is on the top of it and it's like, that's, it's a weird looking face, but like <laughs> yeah. it, it was very different. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're saying, it was, all, it was all just like really, really. Yeah. Like you said, it's a unique take on sci-fi for it sure. Really is. Um, it's, it's very different. Uh, and that's what I, what I kind of like about it. And when we get to the future world, they, they, they paint a very interesting portrait of the future. And I think it's very different and has never really been approached again for maybe some different reasons. But yeah, the, the flavor of Alien and other stuff you're getting is it's really cool because they do a lot of practical effects and like suits and, you know, uh, VFX and stuff like that. But I don't know what the source of... Um, the inspiration was, but it's it's really out there kind of stuff. Well, and it leaves a lot of questions open, too. Like, when did they make first contact? Because there's obviously, they interact with other alien species, not so much on Earth, really. Um, yeah. But when they go, like, on the cruise and stuff like that, there's other alien species and stuff. I think it's always interesting that oftentimes in futuristic movies, there's, there's always, like, a, a, a president of Earth or something like that. There's never, there's no longer any of these just, like, countries with their own representatives or anything like that. Like, there's a president of the Federation in Star Trek. In The Expanse, it's the head, the United Nations is in charge of literally everything. And, yeah, it's just, I think it's funny that there's always some kind of just, like, Earth president. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we we have to have a representative, representative exactly. of Earth. <laughs> exactly. So, um, all right. So then they're they're taking away, and they and the the sarcophagus thing floats away mm-hmm. into the spaceship. Uh, they take the stones, 
Um, and then Billy, Billy freaks out. He's like, oh my God, what's going on? He pulls a gun. Barry's having a fit. Yeah, Barry has a fit. Um, and then this, this duplicitous uh, priest is like, oh no, no, Billy, no, don't shoot them. Trust me. Okay, buddy. Um, and then Billy, Billy shoots one of them. Uh, and it causes, it basically causes the, the, the alien to get killed or, or something like that. It gets crushed behind his closing, closing doors. And he yeah, tells the, the priest, priest is trying to tell him, like, come, come on. Yeah, he's he's, he's like, just like waddling. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, no, don't worry. Time is not important, only life. life. And then he's like, dur, dur. and then he like gives him the key to the uh to to the temple. <clears throat> he's like, I will fulfill my promise. And then the, the, the spaceship flies away. Um, and then it's like 300 years later. So now we're in like the Star Trekky kind of feature, you know? <laughs> yeah, this is like we've made first contact, the third world war is over, and everything just looks dirty and filthy. <laughs> yeah. And there's trash everywhere. Yeah, there's trash everywhere. Yeah. So so we get to see this uh so it's a spaceship and there's this so basically this object kind of just um appears out of nowhere in space and they're they're kind of like uh we don't like this the federation military we don't like this so we're going to inspect it and you know do the military thing try to blow it up um yeah, so really. yeah so so then we see president Lindbergh, uh who's played by this guy i think they called him tiny <laughs> that was his name unfortunately he died like i think he died last year oh that's sad because uh, he was in yeah. so many 90s movies like action movies and stuff like that who's always kind of like a heavy or the guy who would just punch people he, really hard um, he was usually the heavy yeah yeah I, I i liked that actor yeah he's he's great and he's he's pretty fun in this i mean it's definitely like off the wall to to say yeah the president of the federation is, is this guy well it was nice because like i said he's usually just like the big guy like the big black ops guy who's like punching people and goes rogue or whatever or is somebody's antagonist he's like the bad guy's like muscle or something like that but no he's the president of earth in this movie yeah. good for him i like that well, i i think i think it's it's actually even more than earth i think it's literally like like the Star Trek, because they even say that there's 200 billion citizens. Oh, that's right. That's true. So he's not just a representative of Earth. Yeah. He's like everybody's representative. Yeah, I think we don't we don't see what of the other alien races in their Federation are, but I, I think that they what they were going for was basically Star Trek. Yeah, and um, I also like that the Federation ships kind of have a a similar design of a um, star, not a Star Destroyer, is it? It looked like the uh, bad guy ship in Star Wars. The name of it is sure. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it. yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, it's more oval yeah. at the edges instead of pointy, mm -hmm. like a piece of pizza. That's yeah, 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 it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it looked like a similar design, which I don't know if was on purpose as like a wink, but I liked it. I liked the Pro design. Probably. Um, it, it's it's kind of hard in sci-fi. I feel like you get you get very strongly drawn towards either star wars or star trek like oh, those, yeah, absolutely. In, in media those are like the the two pull, pulling forces um but yeah so so yeah it's uh they're they're uh, so they're at this kind of meeting of, with the president and he's like kind of because this thing just appeared this giant uh ball of darkness and they're like kind of freaked out by it and they don't know what to do with it 
Um, and then we meet, meet Cornelius, and he's like, oh, don't attack it, because uh, it's pure evil. It's pure hate. And hate will just begin hate. And so I never I never really got this, but I feel like now recently I kind of understood. Because, like, when I was a kid, I didn't, it didn't really matter to me, like, mm-hmm. what this thing was. It was just, it was a bad thing. It's mad. You know, it's evil. And they, they, make, they really make the case that it's pure evil. But what they're really going for is, like, a, a cosmic horror entity. Mm. Like that's really what this is. It's a cosmic horror entity. It is a it is a thing that um, <clears throat> almost exists outside of the bounds of our reality. That is just pure something. It's just something, and it's it's it takes pure good to defeat pure evil, and mm-hmm. that that's why, which I think is really cool. And this this kind of came up recently with the uh, the Rudy Giuliani like bleeding <laughs> or whatever like like he got really hot and then like the makeup started dripping um, oh, god yeah. i can't stand that thing i know i know and, but we see it in this in this movie like the uh, this this guy who commands the ship when the ire of the great evil is on him he starts like dripping uh, this brown goo which is i guess a way of because, like, another another big kind of trope in the cosmic horror is, like, when a human being, like, interacts with something like that, it's so overwhelming that it just kills you. Exactly. It's so... Our brains can't process something that is that we can't maybe relate to something else that our, we just... I don't know. We just maybe melt or, <laughs> go, cra- <laughs> or go crazy. Like... I always say, say like, H.P. Lovecraft was known for introducing his characters to such mind-bending, unrealistic horrors that they literally go insane. Their brains explode. They go crazy. And yep. nobody else believes them. Yep. And it's just, it's this crazy, wacky, mind-melting thing that you can't put into words or can't, again relate it to something else and we're just like ah my brain's melting yeah yeah and, <laughs> yeah and so they 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 literally show people melting with a yeah. brain I, you and know at first i didn't understand like like why i wasn't sure why like their brains are melting but now but hearing you say that kind of makes a lot more sense of like why it's it's so horrifying and crazy and mind-bending that you're just like yeah my brain's just not <laughs> yeah not catching up to what i'm seeing yeah what what you're what you're seeing basically is like when a human being interacts with this this thing that is that is far beyond us it exists, yeah it yeah it's far outside of our comprehension it's something that is, is has existed far before us and will exist far after us um, when we interact with it, it's total sensory overload, and the only th- what happens is you just start excreting evil. Basically, that's what I, I almost feel like that's what that black stuff. It's just pure evil coming out of you. Um, yeah. So Rudy yeah. Giuliani uh, is pure evil, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what you that's what you're seeing coming out of the ears, you know? Oh, it's so gross. It's, just, it's super gross, yeah. It looks like molasses, like that they yeah. may have used or something, just like dripping out of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like, so. I'll say one thing. Like, I, I, it took me a long time to really kind of get what they were going for, but it, it, it always stuck in my head. Like, oh yeah, dude, he was so blown away that he started melting. Like, that's. Ugh. that's a visual right there um yeah so so they they decide to fire on this thing right so they're shooting missiles at it and the missiles make it stronger 
Like they literally make it bigger and stronger. And so they fire like they fire like six missiles at it and it just it it increases two hundred percent. Yeah, they were gonna fire more. He's like, What do we have bigger than two forty? Nothing. It's Nothing. like, it's what? like yeah. I don't know what 240 means, but I think that was their biggest one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it's probably kilotons, I bet you. Thinking about it now. Um, but yeah, it just does nothing. It literally just, uh, it just, it just laughs at them. And then it, uh, it starts expanding and expanding, and then it just consumes them. It kills them. Um, and yeah, the president's not happy. He's like, I don't want an incident. <laughs> well, you got an incident, my friend, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> so then we see Corbin Dallas in New York and you know, this would be like 20, the 2020s or no, I'm sorry, the 2200s, uh, New York. And he's in like Brooklyn. Uh, he's a cab driver. So what do you think of these cigarettes? Did you see these cigarettes? <laughs> it's like, it's like filter and then like cigarette. I was watching it with, with Ryan and I, the moment I saw that cigarette, I'm like, oh, that would have pissed me off. <laughs> as a former smoker, like say so as a former cigarette smoker, I would have been like, no, that's like, that's why you don't smoke 100 because it's all filter. <laughs> it's just there's no point. You don't get more. It's a lie. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, that's that's the most ridiculous looking cigarette I've ever seen. <laughs> you get like this much tobacco and then like this much filter. It's like that's worse. That's the worst part is the filter. It's fiberglass. <laughs> Not good. Yeah, I just thought that was a funny like take on because I feel like the 90s was written. Um... Oh yeah, don't well, smoke. No cigarette smoking, and cigarette smoking is for Satan worshippers. I mean, they they really they really like dropped the nuke on cigarettes. I, oh, I feel like in the in the nineties too, nineties early two thousands was uh, when basically they had a big lawsuit about uh, lung cancer with the tobacco companies. Uh, oh, and secondhand and smoking and secondhand smoke, yeah. um, uh, what it does to like a fetus and stuff like that. And I, yeah, there was, the, I remember a lot of that stuff from the yeah. 90s and like you couldn't smoke in restaurants you were get, or that was starting to be axed. Um, I remember going to a Chili's with my parents and there was a smoking section. Like, I remember that. And it's just, it's very different now. Like you can't smoke anywhere indoors. I think yeah. there's one bar in mass you can still smoke indoors. But that's Massachusetts, and they're crazy. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they they the nineties they really dropped the hammer on smoking. Um, I feel like before it's like okay, yeah, you know, we smoking's bad. Like you know, I think for a long time people know like so, okay, smoking's bad. You mean my uh, doctor prescribing it for my cough was wrong? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It went from that. So that was like the sixty. I forget when when it was when the uh, Surgeon General said that smoking is bad. It's actually really bad, and <laughs> but have a cocktail during your third trimester. That'll be fine. Just don't. Speak. Yeah, yeah. Just just have a little have a little drink, a little sip. sip. Oh my god. Anyway, so yeah, there's a lot of really fun kind of uh, stuff that they put in into this feature, um, and so then we get this uh, commercial for Floss in Paradise with Ruby Rod. Ruby Rod's played by Chris Chris Tucker. Like basically, they they wanted to get Prince. But Prince didn't want to do it, so they had Chris Tucker do a Prince impression. Yeah, I literally looked at Ryan and said, "Wow, he's like a cross between he's like Prince, basically, or like Michael Jackson." Yeah, I, it, it's Prince. It's 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 a more flamboyant Prince, but it is it is Prince. I mean, what I love, I really like, I really kind of like appreciate this character. 
because oh, I, him. I thought he was fantastic yeah. right because like it's a real kind of thing like there are people that are like that like even today um and it's just it's just kind of fun to just you know like he really he really did like 90s chris tucker was like he was he was something he was very good he was very talented very popular and, yeah and like a guy you know he did after this he he then did um rush hour which like really blew up Oh, yeah, um, there like three Rush Hour movies. I think yeah. it was a trilogy. Yeah, it was which a trilogy. I, yeah. My little sister actually watched Rush Hour. I haven't, I've never seen Rush Hour personally, but I, my little sister watched it recently. And she was like, yeah, it was funny, but there were some things that I couldn't believe, I, like, you know, you, people were laughing at. Like, there's some off-color oh, racial jokes yeah. and stuff like that. But I I also was just like, you know, it's kind of amazing that in the 90s there was a, a, a action comedy movie led by a, two men of color. Yes, that that people balk at today, and I know it's crazy. I'm like, you have uh, you have an African American and a and a and a Chinese. Uh, I'm sorry, is he's Chinese, right? He's Chinese, Chinese. Yeah. Thank you. I'm sorry. Um, no, it's, it's not good. And I'm like, that's that's insane that people balk at things like that today. When that was insane that it even happened then. Like, and their action characters, like, yeah, they're yeah. funny, but like, Jackie Chan is the shit. I love Jackie Chan. Yeah. And that was like one of the probably like the first like move Jackie Chan over to uh, America movies. Yeah, because he was um, doing a lot of like action comedies, um, mm-hmm. like foreign action comedy films, and he was always like he always liked being funny, and he has very good comedic timing. Um, the movie The Foreigner is really good. It's a serious movie that he's in, but the Foreigner's it's really good. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> he is so good in that movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I I just thought I mentioned it to my sister. And she's like, "Wow, that's actually kind of crazy that that happened." And I'm like, "Yeah, that was the '90s." <laughs> yeah, that was in the night. That is a big a buddy cop movie uh, with an Asian guy and a black guy. Um, yeah, that's definitely like <laughs> like there's not many of those that come out today that are like no that. no not at all. Like I said, people lose their minds when something like that happens, and it's like it's it's crazy that it happened then, especially in the '90s, and. Yeah, I like Chris Tucker personally. Yeah, I think Chris Tucker. He's kind of annoying a little bit, but his annoyingness is what makes it charming. I think personally. Yeah, this well, this character is like he's always at a twelve, um, on the Richter scale. Like he's way up there. <laughs> oh, I love so, when he ends his broadcast later on. He's just like, "That was my best show." <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's no, he's yeah. We'll get into and then the entourage. Him and the entourage. Oh my god, just perfect like it's actually perfect um so then we get this really crazy cameo this this give me the cash guy so this guy so it's like there's a little people out of corbin's uh <clears throat> his his apartment so this guy had this like thing a picture on his head of what the outside of his apartment looks like so the guy is just waiting there with a gun and then when corbin opens the door he comes out with the guns like give me the cash <laughs> Yeah, and it's like the weirdest look. I bet the prop guys had so much fun making these guns because that gun has got like two, like, I um, oh god, ammo yeah, like ca- cartridge, yeah, cartridges or whatever. Yeah, thank you. And it has like this yeah. weird spike thing at the end of it, and it just looks. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen, but I love it. it. Looks it looks like a Nerf gun, basically, uh, with the real like gun. Nerf guns. Yeah, like. Oh my god, '90s Nerf guns were the shit. But like, they were fun, yeah. Oh my yeah. god, yeah. He's just he's just like totally tweaking out. <laughs> trying to yeah, yeah. This is... <laughs> he, is, he just has 
so tweaked out, dude. Give me the cash. Give me the cash. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like what? <laughs> and then Corbin kind of tricks him. He's like, oh well, you didn't, you didn't arm it, right? He's like, oh, <gasps> and then he he actually disarms it. Um, and then Corbin takes his gun. And then like this rack comes down. You can tell this is not their first encounter that they've had with each other. And he just takes it and puts it in a rack. And he's got like all of these crazy looking guns and shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's totally ridiculous. He's like, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. It. We'll do this again tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And then he goes to work. And he just yeah, goes, he goes to work. work. And he's so, you know, we got flying cars in this future, which is cool. <clears throat> he's a cab driver. Um, and I love, I love, this is like kind of perfect, very New York. Like he literally almost gets into an accident driving yep. out of, backing out of his driveway. <laughs> yep. He almost gets like just totally sideswiped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he has, they, they say he has like three points on his license or something like that. So <laughs> before he loses it. <laughs> yeah. Before they, they revoke his license. So then, um, we go back to Cornelius and he's explained to the president, like, you know, the Mandashiwan, they have this uh, weapon that can destroy the great evil. Um, and so we have to, like, we have to, um, you know, get into contact with them. And then I can bring the priests to uh, the temple and we can activate the weapon. And so then they're like, okay, let's let them into Federation airspace. They're like, okay, they're coming in. And then their ship gets blown up by these other aliens. The... Uh, what do they call these aliens? They're the Mangalores. So the Mangalores blow up their ship. Uh, and so we're like, Ooh, we're kind of screwed. <laughs> Not good. Not good, yeah. Um, Cornelius is like super distraught. He's like, oh, shit. It's over. I don't know what we're going to do. We're we're doomed. Uh, and Because no one takes it as seriously as he does. Like, he doesn't, like, he's the only one who understands, like, this is actually, you know, apocalyptic kind of stuff you know yeah like we can't solve this with guns we need something else <laughs> yeah we need something way more powerful than a gun um <clears throat> so uh the, and then they say there's one survivor at the crash site and it's it's like the hand of one of the uh Manishuan, which i guess was the actual fifth element like was you know they well basically she or it looked like them, the ones we saw at the very beginning of the movie with the, the, the really big body um, and the tiny head. So they take the, the hand to this lab in New York and then they they uh, they bring the fifth element to life through the cells of that thing in the hand. And so they they, they bring uh, Lilu to life using this machine. Um, yeah, so what do you think of the scene where they like kind of bring her back uh, and build her <laughs> I liked it. It was cool. Um, you know, seeing like everything from like the muscle to the tissue and everything like that, you know, forming. Um, I was confused as to why she looked human, though. I wasn't entirely sure why she had to look human. I mean, probably because a big clunky alien looking thing isn't doesn't look all that heroic. Um, but that was the only thing I was really confused by about that. Was, yeah. like, I don't mind that she looks human. I mean, that's that's fine. Um, is that what they... Because obviously these are suits. So... Oh, sure. What do they look like underneath all of that? Because you see bone and stuff like that with the hand. And you see some, like, maybe some muscle and tissue and stuff like that. But it's also been blown up a little bit and <laughs> taken away from the rest of its body. But, like, 
Yeah, I wasn't sure why she why she looked human except to cast Mila Jovovich. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I I, I think you definitely because there's one way you could take it right, which is that it's it's sort of they're us. I guess is is the is the explanation basically is that those things underneath the suit look like humans or look human humanoid. Yeah. I'm assuming um, that they're humanoid looking and that these are probably just like suits that they have to wear when they're traveling through space because they don't really mention a home world, I don't think. They they don't. They don't. Um, unless um, they're just kind of like nomads. They don't really have a home anymore. They just kind of fly around making sure that the stones are protected. protected. But um, yeah, I'm assuming there's some kind of humanoid looking being mm -hmm. underneath all of the clunky armor and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think I I think the the real answer to be totally honest is like they want to just have Miljovovich and not some big alien thing. So. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that was probably just the only reason. Yeah, I'm sure it was yeah. for shallow reasons only. Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, so, because if from what I've read, Luke besson has been right had been writing this since he was like 16. So he's a 16 year old kid who's <laughs> imagining her being hot. Like I think that's just yeah. pretty much what it is, which is fine. I I mean, Luke, Luke Besson, too, like, he, you know, he's kind of gotten into a lot of trouble. But, like, basically, he just, like, he he, he tries to spend half his life with models. And, yeah. yeah. You can, can kind of... Mm -hmm. Wasn't the woman he was dating at the time the one who was the diva? I think he was dating her at the time or something. <laughs> I don't know, because, I mean, he ended up, like, they got married. He, him, and, uh, him, and, him and Mila Jovovich got married. Oh, really? For, like, a minute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, for like, and a like minute, okay. Yeah, for like, like they were married for like nine months or something, uh, and then she, she was like, "I'm out." <laughs> yeah, there's uh, some weird directors out there who just fixate on one actress. Like, who was it with Jennifer Lawrence? Oh, oh, the guy, the guy who did like the Hunger Games, right? No, he was. Um, oh, okay. He directed Mother or something like that with her. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's on the yeah. tip of my tongue. Who it is? But he Arnowski. Yeah, Darren, Darren Aronofsky. Aronofsky. Yeah, he was like obsessed with her for a while. And it's just like, I mean, they fixate on, on women. They become their muse and it's not always good. Yeah. Orson yeah. Welles, uh, like he was notorious yeah. for fixating on like one woman. Like, yeah. Yeah, so anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's just like, yeah, we're just going to make it an, a super attractive woman, which is cool. Which is fine. I mean, cool. She did good. It's not like she did a bad job. It's not like she was there yeah. just to be hot. You know, Milu actually <laughs> is a very sensitive, vulnerable, badass individual, um, regardless Super of her badass. being hot. Uh, being hot. So it's just. At least she was also good in it. I'm glad she was good in the movie. Besides just being a yeah. piece of ass, basically. Which yeah, exactly again, yeah. the '90s was notorious for doing to women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, this this really blew her up. Uh, this movie. Totally blew her up as, and she's, man, I mean, I'm telling you, she, she is pretty incredible. She looks great today, to this day. I mean, and it's kind of like, I, I saw the, the new Hellboy movie, not a great movie, but she like, man, she looks great for her. I think she's almost, I think she's like 50. Damn, really? I believe so. I oh, believe well, she had a whole career in modeling before she became mm -hmm. an actress anyway, so. That makes mm -hmm. sense. No, good for her. And she's always been doing the Resident Evil movies, which I'm not a fan of Resident Evil, but like she's always been popular with those movies and in the action yeah. movie sphere. So 
Yeah. I mean, maybe she got a little typecast, but I mean, as long as she delivers and it does a good job, I mean, I don't really care. Yeah. I feel like she's kind of typecast herself. I mean, because, you know, there are some, I remember, um, I forget what her name uh, is, but she's like, she's like in the Fast and Furious and she's like, yeah, I, I, I want to be the, the, the badass Latina. Like that's, that's typecast me as that. Good for her. Because I at mean, least, you know, yeah. if, if, if you have a type, you'll get in a movie. Um, and so, especially when it's like action movies and stuff where there's a big demand for that. And then that kind of crosses over. It keeps you, it keeps you get getting work and keeps you, you know, getting paid. So. And relevant. So, yeah, and relevant. And that's important. Yeah. So yeah, so we get this scene where Lilo comes to life. It's really cool, and then you know this very iconic will become very iconic uh, outfit where the the white straps. Um, so she's and then she comes to life and she's like speaking some language. They have no idea what she's saying at all. Never heard this language. Uh, and then she like the the military guys like. Well, you gotta learn, you know, you gotta work on your communication skills, and she just like punches him, takes his thing, breaks out. Yeah, he mocks right. her after taking nude pictures of her. He's like, I need some pictures, you know, for the report. <laughs> it's just like, really, dude? Yeah, dude, and you uh you're gonna get punched in the face. Good. I'm glad she punched him. <laughs> um, and then she 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 uh runs through a wall that was made of tinfoil. Not the best. Not not the best um, <laughs> not the best set ever, but hey, you know it is what it is. Eh, we were they um, were working with what they got. Yeah, yeah. So so then the cops uh, come to track her down. So like you were talking about, like there's a lot of bulky stuff in this future. Yeah, like the like the, the cops were wearing like this goon squad cops were just wearing all those big like everyone's sweaty, everyone's unkempt. They're super sweaty. Like all of the cops look like they just rolled out of a dumpster. Yeah. <laughs> Which hey, that's fine. But um but like yeah, no one's shaven, no one's like I mean the military guys look a little more well put together, but like the cops of New York City are absolutely disgusting, repugnant looking people. <laughs> <laughs> like when they're at that drive through, the McDonald's drive through. Oh, that one guy is just like they straight out of central casting, just like, I want find me a New York cop with a uh, five o'clock shadow or whatever, and like, just looks really like nasty. I want you the know, audience to be able guys. to smell his BO. <laughs> and it's just so gross. But the women are wearing at the McDonald's drive-thru. I'm like, Jesus Christ. It, yeah. Oh my God. Like I, I did kind of <laughs> like that. Cause that's, that's fun or whatever. Yeah. Cause like in, in, in reality, like the, the future is going to be a robot. Oh yeah, absolutely. And all the, yeah. most of the women who interact with them are, do seem a little like Barbie, a little robotic. Um, but yeah, like even their costumes were like, had that very like almost squareness to them too. And it just, I don't know. I really liked it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought the, the uniforms were really cool. Like, again, like this feature is, you know, I don't know what the inspiration was, but it's, it's some kind of art form that's very cool and different. Um, cause I've, I, I feel like I've never seen anything really like this. The only thing, the thing that comes to my mind and this is bad was like the freaking Mar Super Mario Brothers movie, uh, <clears throat> which I don't even know. I feel like it maybe came out before this, but you know, with the same kind of like really weird kind of, kind of suits and stuff, uh, yeah, animatronics and the, the dimensions, pardon me, the dimensions are really weird. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, like like I said, it's very similar to the aesthetic of Farscape, which yeah. is a little bit more muted. There's not a lot of really. There's some bright colors, but it's generally people who have bright colors when yeah. they're an alien or something. But that bulkiness, that that chunky thing, we're all of like. It's not like a sleek, small device that they use in Star Trek or something like that. Like their communicator is something giant or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, if there was an alien ship in the Fifth Element universe that was also, like, a living being, like in Farscape, I would not be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah. So then we get this really cool, like, this whole thing with Lilu. Um, so she, 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 like, kind of breaks out, basically. Uh, and so there's like this little circular tunnel and she comes out of it, which is a really cool shot of her like standing in the tunnel and the cops are like, Hey, you need to come back. Um, do it right now. Or we're, we're going to be forced to like take you by force. It's like, do you understand me? And then she just walks away. <laughs> like, no, I don't really care. Yeah, she doesn't care. She's not care at all about these silly humans. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, she doesn't understand me. <laughs> um, so she, uh, yeah, so she's like out, like she's out on the corner of this building and it's like, you know, again, they've built stuff way up into the sky. Um, and it's a, it's a pretty cool. So what do you think about like the way they depict this future New York? This is like the first time I really get to see it. Um, I liked it. I didn't mind it. I still think flying cars are a bad idea. I will always think flying cars are a bad idea. Um, but I think it's interesting how giant like the skyscrapers are now. There's really no foot traffic at all. Um, there can't be. Um, if you're on the very bottom, like you probably don't want to be there. Um, but no, I thought it was interesting. I mean, there's only one means of transportation, and that explains why there's so much traffic everywhere. Like everywhere you look, yeah. there's no like lull <laughs> in the traffic. Um, so also, I didn't really see any stoplights either, which I thought was interesting. So. Their transportation grid must be very intricate. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I thought it was, you know, I liked how there was a giant elevator on the outside of a building, or it kind of more it looked more like a bus, actually, which again would make sense that people aren't really leaving their homes. They're, the apartments are also way more compacted and small. Um, I'm sure people who have more money or whatever form of currency that they use probably have more, have like more luxurious accommodations or whatever. But I feel like the average person like Corbin just has like this tiny little, tiny little room with all of his stuff mm -hmm. that just folds out, which I also really liked. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But no, it was an interesting take on like the city. But again, I just love how there's literally just trash everywhere. Like you go on yeah. the subway and there's just piles of trash. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, it's cool. It, it, yeah, I really liked because it, it feels like a lot of people kind of have said um, because, you know, again, he's he's from Paris, Bisson, and so it has this kind of like European influence too, mm -hmm. to the way that uh, this this version of New York feels. Um, but yeah, so then uh, Lilo gets cornered by the police, so she decides to just jump off. <laughs> she just jumps. Just jumps off the ledge. <laughs> yeah, which is really cool. Uh, singer jump and so she jumps and hey guess guess what happens she falls into Corbin's cab yep she crashes through and he's like oh what's what's going on and it's love at first sight of course for him mm -hmm. uh, and uh, she tries to explain what happened to her she's like speaking again in a foreign language it's no idea what she's saying it's just big bada boom it's like, oh, yeah, I understand that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand what that means. I like their first interaction with each other because, like, 
he's not pissed at her for falling through his cab. He's just kind of in awe of like, yeah, I mean, yeah, she, he obviously, lived. she lived first of all, but I think he's also in awe of the fact there's a half naked chick in the back of his cab. But also there's something like I read on IMDb that Bruce Willis didn't know what she was going to say. So when she starts speaking the language, he's just kind of like listening and staring at her, which I thought was a really nice, genuine reaction to get from him. But he's not mad. He's totally just like, she's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. I think he plays up the love at first sight thing pretty well. Cause like, that's really what it's about. Like he, he's like, boom, he's like, Oh my God. I'm in love with this person. <laughs> yeah. So he's in love and he's very confused, but also, you know, he becomes a little, uh, um, kind of conflicted or whatever, because then the cops come and they're like, okay, you have to hand her over. And, yeah. you know, he's like, well, I can't, I can't afford to lose my license. <clears throat> um, and so then the cops, you know, they're like, you, you need to comply, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and so he's, and so then she does like this. This is really funny. So she sees this little thing that says, please help. And she's like, please, please help. <laughs> like begging for her. It's just like, oh, come on, man. You're really going to turn her over. She's crying and saying, please help. And he's just like, God damn it. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, oh, God, I have to help. And, you know, the other thing, too, is you can tell he's like, he's he's the IIT authoritarian type, right? He's not he's not one to just, like, do what authority tells him to do. Yeah. Um, he does the opposite. And we see that a lot in the movie. Uh, his superiors as well. He doesn't do what they want him to do. Um, and so then he's like, okay, I'm going to help her. He just, like, floors the gas. F if the if the cops basically and then he's just he's off and then we get this really cool car chase scene um yeah this this car chase scene is really fun and then you know we get this product placement with mcdonald's which i thought was kind of interesting um with our sweaty cops super sweat that that one guy the guy in the driver's seat is like one of the sweatiest <laughs> <laughs> they just don't represent cops at all very well in this movie which i think is funny they're bumbling idiots <laughs> They are basically. There, there's a few people that are worse than the cops, I'd say, but yeah, the cops are not seen. They're like second lowest on the hierarchy here. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we also get this like the the soundtrack on this chase scene is really good. That that uh, song, it's like this Arabic um, like Rastafarian music. <laughs> like it's really I love the soundtrack. I really enjoyed the soundtrack. And like I said, this movie has its own sci-fi flavor and it's not for everyone, but I don't know how you can enjoy it. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> like, like this scene is just like, it, it's everything that this movie's about. Yeah. Like you, know? you said, it has like that, that European style brought to it with like some American action movie elements coupled with this crazy soundtrack that should not fit. They should, none of those things should go together, but somehow they do. And yeah. plus you have a chosen one storyline through all of that too. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, all of it. You have all of those elements just jammed into one movie and it just creates this beautiful cocktail of flavors. And it's like, mm, I want more of that because I can't taste anything physically. So I need to watch it visually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's super fun. Yeah, and this you know, there's just so much fun stuff. Like he's 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 driving, he's flying away, um, and he's like, oh yeah, don't worry. Like if they don't if they don't chase you after one mile, they don't chase you. Comes around the <laughs> corner, and then 
They get blasted. There's, like, there's just eight of them there. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Another 90s yeah. movie trope of like a car driving by and getting shot a whole bunch of times and nobody gets hurt. Yes, that is that is a big 90s trope. It's like the, the car is totally... Or like the car does get shot and then all the important people don't die. And exactly. the one the one expendable guy does like they they kind of do that in um there, there's what's that what's that movie Heat Heat kind of does this where like they randomly pick up this guy to be their their driver on getaway driver yep and then they get into this fucking shootout and then the driver dies everyone else lives and gets out of the car and runs. oh yeah we immediately knew that guy was expendable yeah yeah ex con yeah. trying to turn his life around <laughs> needs the money. Hates his boss. His boss hates, is a dick. Hates his boss. His boss is a dick. Oh, and you know what? You're going to be in the safest place. You're not going to actually be in the building. You're going to be driving the car, and that's it. You're the first one to go. First one to die. Yeah, yeah. Pretty brutal. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, this movie, so he gets, the car gets shot up. Him and Lilu, Lilu I think, see, the other thing, too, is, like, this movie is before, what's really, what's really, really interesting about this movie, uh, there's no sequel to this movie. Even though, I mean, you could really see how today this thing is like a franchise. Oh, absolutely. This is like a mini series on Amazon or Netflix or yeah. something that, that would go for maybe like seven seasons. Like there's such a huge universe. There is so there is so much that is unexplored in this movie about everything. But it just it makes you think about so much. What are the other alien races in this federation? Um you know, just stuff about Lilu and her, and her, like, what does she remember? You know, like, um, I don't know. There's just so much there. There's so much there and it just gets left. It's for us to think about, you know? One of the things <laughs> like, I found interesting too is when um, we first meet Cornelius, he's with a represent representation of other religions. You see like a bishop sitting behind him. You see like maybe yeah. a Buddhist or something like that. He is one of many representatives of various religions in this this new normal basically of this federation alliance or whatever and i thought that was really neat that there's still because again that's something that the expanse does very well is that they're always incorporating different religious factors factions within their space travel essentially and really who has more to gain or who has more to lose within it so i thought that was really interesting that they paid representation to like yeah, there's still religion even 300 years or 1,000 yeah. years into the future when we have space space travel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. There was like four or five different, it was like, there was like a Jewish guy, there was like a, probably like a Christian, and then, yeah, like you said, like a Buddhist, and then Cornelius, which is mm -hmm. part of whatever they call their religion. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, which is something I, ha I had questions about too. Like, is this, do they worship the aliens or do they just worship the fifth element? Or, like, what is really going on? Because uh, clearly there's more than one of Cornelius. <laughs> like, he has a protege yes, that he's, he's he training. Um, so I had questions about that, which is something that if you had a sequel or a, a show exactly. about, you could definitely expand more on their, whatever their religion is. Because clearly it's not in the shadows because he's speaking to the president of the universe. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's not like the mummy where it's like the magi are you know, the secret society. Exactly. Yeah, like it's, it's not like that. So is it more like in Harry Potter, how the, how the minister of Man magic visits the prime, every new prime minister that comes along. <laughs> like, I think it's interesting that they're not, they're not like a secret 
they're not like the Illuminati or some shit like that. Yes. They're out and about. They're known. People know who they are. They're obviously a respected religion if they're with Catholicism, yeah. Judaism, Buddhism, mm-hmm. and Christianity. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I, I suspect that it's, it's so they they feel I don't know if there's totally a equivalent. I mean, there's some it's called a cult, but like for a long time. So like take Hercules, for example, um, there were at times there were people who they they called it a cult of Hercules, but they would do things to to uphold his his legacy, basically. Yeah, or like the cult um, of Hecate and stuff like that, or you know, like um, Terra or all the other like ancient like Roman or Greek gods and stuff yeah. like that. I feel like that's what they they their uh, jo- anyone who follows that their job is to uphold the tr- the truths of of what they believe, okay. and it's just about you know bringing it forward because they they believe they believe and you know in this they rightly believe that at some point they're their part of the bargain is going to be necessary to defeat the great evil. And so there has to be a human priest or human connection to, uh, you know, to, to, to basically to do this thing, to stop the great evil. Um, and I, I feel like that's basically what, cause like the, this whole thing, like the human part started, I guess basically the aliens came to earth and they were like, stop the first great evil. They stopped it. And so then a, a bunch of people um, became part of the cult or whatever. And they were like, okay, okay, man, she would tell us what to do because, you know, we need to like, we need to not have the earth or whatever or the universe be destroyed. So, and so then the man, she would said, okay, we're going to leave the fifth element and the stones on earth. And then you guys protect the temple. That's all you need to do. Make sure no one, you know, does anything to it. So that was their first mission. And then, you know, what we saw at the very beginning of the movie is, okay, the Manishiwa came back. They said, the stones are not, they're not safe on earth, but we still need you to hold the key to this uh, temple because in 300 years, when the evil returns, we will return and you need to help us defeat it. So I, I basically think that's their their job. And it just, it keeps going. It, it, yeah. it, what's kind of implied in this is that it's, it's a en- never ending cycle of, of good fighting evil, pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah, their part of the their religion is always doing their part to make sure the, the great evil is defeated, pretty much. Um, but there's a lot of waiting, right? Because, like, between oh, Cornelius yeah. and the first guy, like, it was hundreds of years. <laughs> exactly. There's a lot of waiting in between. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. So, um, yeah, this – this and, and what's really cool, so, again, about this chase scene is, like, they, the the car gets shot and then they dive all the way down <laughs> to like the very bottom and so the bottom is like um what do they call it? he calls it like the smoke or the, or the, the fog the, I think. the fog I think. yeah it's just pollution basically I'm assuming yeah. <laughs> it's just a whole bunch of pollution and trash and you don't want to be down there probably mutants are down there too <laughs> if I had to guess yeah 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 the cockroaches the things that can survive in anything. Um, yeah, so they go, they go down into there and then, uh, you know, the cops can't find them, so they get away. And so Lilu tells him, take me to Cornelius. So, um, they go to Cornelius and he thinks it's like, uh, hitching a wedding or something. He's like, Weddings um, on the seventh floor or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, no, like she, she told, she told me to come find you and she has this tattoo. And so she has like the four elements tattooed on her wrist. 
Um, and 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 Cornelius, he passes out. But basically, he's like she's the supreme being of the universe. Um, <laughs> and and they they all thought it was gonna be a man. Like, oh, he's a she. I didn't know. They're like, whoa. There's this ongoing theme too of everyone turning around whenever she gets naked. <laughs> like, do you want coffee? Yep, I'll take coffee. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 someone. They they kind of basically said this is it's like a trope. I I don't know if I don't know if uh, I'm sure it's existed before this, but basically it's like the person who's born yesterday, but they're like super beautiful, like mm-hmm. they're really attractive. Like I'm sure it's existed in another thing. That feels like a fairy. It feels very fairy tale, actually. Yeah, it does feel like a very fairy tale like thing, or a very cho a certain type of cho. Because there's different kinds of chosen one stories. You know, what I mean, there's like the Luke Skywalker type, and then there's this kind. You know, where she's born yesterday, but she's very intelligent and but naive, very naive in some ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. Super badass, but also incredibly vulnerable because she doesn't know anything about who she's protecting. She just knows she's supposed to. And, um, you know, Vision in the MCU is very similar. He was like, yeah, well, I was born yesterday. Because when Ultron tells him that he's very naive. He literally says that to Ultron before he kills him. Yeah, he's I like, love well, that. well, I was born yesterday, so. Yeah. There's a, it's a, it's a very, I'm trying to think of other examples of the moment. But, like, I do think that that is a trope of a beautiful supreme being of whatever kind, whether it's man or woman, that's born yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um and so then we get this thing so so Leela's like passed out or whatever and then Corbin kisses her. Uh and she <laughs> pulls a fucking gun on him. She pulls a gun. <laughs> and that's another fairy tale and he's like I think he's a very I think he's very much a romantic at heart because he's like, "Oh, maybe like the kiss of life or whatever." <laughs> It's like Sleeping Beauty, right? Kind it's of like Sleeping Beauty or Snow White or something like that. And um, yeah, she's like, yeah, no. <laughs> she's like, no. Um, so yeah, and then they, there's some more stuff. But basically, Cornelius and her, uh, and they, you know, it's like she found she found him, um, and he's going to help her, uh, who's the fifth element, uh, do do the thing, stop the universe from being destroyed. And then they say goodbye to to, to Corbin. Uh, but then he's like, oh, oh, she said this thing to me. What does it mean? Uh, never without my permission. And he's like, that makes sense. <laughs> makes sense, yeah. Yeah. So they, they send him off. Um, I also like that Cornelius is kind of dressed like an Obi-Wan Kenobi character. He's got the big brown robe. He even has, like, the goatee. He looks like Obi-Wan. Yeah, yeah they, they're, you know, it's so hard to get out of, again, either Star Trek or Star Wars. And this kind of puts the two of them together in some ways. But well, also, it's like a wizard look. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like yeah. a wizard look. I mean, they call it like in Star Wars, the first movie, they call him a wizard. Like, yeah, like, like you're space wizards. That's what you are. Yeah, uh, yeah, for real. I mean, you know, pretty much they were they were space wizards, right? Um. Okay, so then Lilu is like consuming stuff on the internet. Basically, <laughs> she's just basically. like trolling forums to learn everything. Um, and, you know, we get this thing with, with Zorg. So Zorg, so this is like the first time we see Zorg. Um, Zorg is like, uh, and it's played by, um, what's his name? Gary Oldman. Gary freaking Oldman. He's so, he's so fun in this. 
He's amazing. He is such a phenomenal actor. Just when you think he's done being amazing and maybe he's peaked or something like that, it's like, no, no. I don't know this came out in like 97 or something like that, but still, like. Yeah. And this is such a kind of, it could be such a throwaway part, but he's just really good in it. Oh, I loved the false teeth. The false teeth were, they were what really brought that character alive. It's so interesting how the tiniest thing to add to a character can make it, like, come full circle. Because yeah. he kind of has a lisp, and he has, yeah, like, he, a southern drawl or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's so weird. He's so good. And the hair and, like, what the hell was that thing, that plastic thing on his head? What the hell is that? I have no idea what that was for or what its purpose was meant to be, but it was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I um, so we get this thing. So the first time we see him and he's like, like, like his underlings, like, oh, so, um, you know, we're, we're losing money. So we need to fire half a million people from, you know, including the cab company, which Corbin works for. So Corbin works for Zorg. Uh, and he's like, fire 1 million people. <laughs> totally and he's hard. like, <laughs> and it's so funny too because again this could be so bad this could just be the dumbest like this is literally like the whole purpose of the scene is to show that this guy is evil in the in the in the quickest way possible and like because he has that southern drawl that when he walks his boots click like he has spurs on them (laughs) so he's almost got like a cowboy thing going And he doesn't look like a cowboy. Like this is a character that does looks like the complete opposite of any cowboy motif you have ever seen. This is not the Marlboro Man. Like he's, and he walks like he's got spurs on his boots, but he also walks like he has a limp too. He, I think I think what it is is he has a limp, and then so like one leg is shorter than the other, so okay. he has that little spur on it, so that it's more even. But it's but then he's like clink clink. clink. Like every time he walks, he's just clicking. And I love that. <laughs> so, but yeah, he's like the guy, and then the guy's like, "Oh, but sir, we only need to fire half a million and he just like looks at him. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll let go a million people. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so Zorg is having this meeting with the uh, Mangalords. So they stole the stones to give to to Zorg, and so Zorg's like, "Okay, I'll give you a bunch of guns." You give me the stones, everyone's happy. But then Lilu's like, uh, yeah, but the stones, uh, they got swapped because we don't trust humanity yet. So we just did it as a precaution. And she, she does this funny thing like, oh, they got like switched or whatever. <laughs> um, and so then, you know, we get this whole thing with these, this, these guns, which are kind of, basically they do everything. Uh, it's got... It's got bullets, it's got a missile, it's got a heat-seeking missile, it's got fire, it's got ice, it's got... Um, a net. A, yeah, it's got a net, it's got a bolus. <laughs> the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> it's a net so on it. And he's yeah. doing it completely serious, too. Yeah, like, Gary is. Doing, like, this is the greatest thing. Like, this is the greatest piece of technology you will ever own. And it's just great how much he sells it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's really it's really fun. It's really fun. Uh, so so then, uh, yeah, the stones got swapped. Zorg opens the thing. There's no stones in it. And he's like, what the fuck? Uh, and then the Mangalores are like, so basically he's like, okay, deal's done. No stones, no guns. Bye-bye. Uh, and then the Mangalores are like, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, we risked our lives to get you whatever. You, told, you just told us to get this thing. We got it for you. So 
you owe us. And he's like, okay, well, I'll give you one case of guns and then I'm out. Um, and then, so then I guess the one thing Zork didn't tell them is like, don't press the red button. And uh, one of them, of course, is like looking at it and he's like, <laughs> and he presses the red button and hits a bomb and it blows up. So it blows a bunch of them up. I love um, how he's like a real killer would have would have asked about the red button. <laughs> yeah. Why? So, yeah, that was that was kind of a random. That was a very random. I think the whole point of that scene was like, okay, we have to have him say something when this explosion happens behind him. Exactly. Right. When he's like he's like smoking and there's like an explosion. It's pretty badass, but you know, I feel I feel really bad too for his like the guy is called the right hand. His uh, his guy that he makes mm -hmm. do all the stuff. Like this guy, like dude, I don't know how he got that job, but that's that's It's not a good job. It's so bad. It is so bad. Like he just makes this guy do all this terrible stuff, and he's just like, he's never, you know. I mean, he's Zorg is a dick, but he just never really. He just never. I don't. He just never like take totally takes for granted like. Like this dude, this dude does, this dude actually succeeds in doing some pretty high level espionage and stuff that we'll see later <laughs> in this yeah. movie. Um, but he's like, Zorg's like, no, it's not good enough. You're dead. Um, so yeah, so Zorg tells his henchmen to go bring Cornelius. Uh, so, so basically this is Zorg like saying why he wants to blow up, like literally blow up the earth and like help this cosmic horror entity destroy the human race. Mm-hmm. So pretty much his plan is like, oh yeah, it's gonna blow up the earth, but then you know, someone's gotta clean up the, the destruction and that'll be me and I'll profit from it. Okay. It'll make jobs. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh and then Zorg chokes on a cherry. I love how he gives like this great speech or whatever about how like about chaos and everything like chaos creates, you know, whatever. And um, then he chokes on a freaking cherry, and he's he just like these, yeah. all this stuff comes flying out of his desk, and like a deck of cards, like food, this, that, and the other thing. This box opens, and there's a creature inside of it who's just <laughs> the creature at him. <laughs> it's like his pet. I don't know what the hell the thing was. I think it was probably some kind of pet, but like I was, they were just staring at each other, like yeah. what the hell is going oh, on? Oh, the the pet starts laughing. It's like, oh, you're gonna die? Yes. It's like, yeah, you keep me in a box. I'm glad you're choking to death. And yeah. like, and <laughs> you want me to help you? Yeah, and Cornelius comes up behind him. He's like, oh, do you need help? Are you choking? <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah, like, oh, you're really kind of struggling. Um, is yeah. your little pet guy, your little pet tiny elephant thing, going to help? He's not going to help you? Oh, no. You're helpless. Turns out, turns out, yeah, you're helpless. Turns out being evil really doesn't pay. No, and he just slaps him on the back. Yeah, he helps him out. And then he's like, I'll spare your life for now, for saving mine. It sends him away. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought that was funny. But yeah, his whole his whole thing is like, um, he wants he wants to do it because, uh, yeah, I mean, basically, basically destroy the world and then profit. profit from, yeah, profit from it. Okay, so then we get this other scene. So I, I, I maybe didn't mention it before, but basically... Um, Lilu tells Cornelius, like, oh, the, the stones are on Flossom Paradise. And, you know, we had heard about Flossom Paradise in the beginning with Ruby Rod. Um, but 
you know, this is this, it's a very exclusive kind of thing. Basically, it seems like it's like for super rich people. Mm-hmm. So they kind of run into this problem, like they, they they can't actually get there, which will come up, come up later. So then we see the great evil is like eating every satellite in the universe, pretty much. And they're like, "Why is he doing that?" It's like, uh, maybe he's trying to make a phone call. Um, <laughs> we <okay>. don't know. <laughs> yeah, is this? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so then the great evil calls Zord, and it's like, it's like Mister Shadow. Um, <laughs> it's like, um, it's like I don't, I don't want to receive any phone calls right now. It's like, okay, I know you said you don't want to hear receive any phone calls unless it's Mister Shadow, and it's Mister Shadow. Um, and so then, um, so then, so they're talking, right? So they're, it's like you know, it's like this very intimidating. Like, did you bring the stones to me? <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Yeah, and and then again, he starts bleeding. The black, brown pus stuff comes out of his head. <laughs> so, and, and it just shows you like how how truly powerful this whatever the whatever this thing is. Like, even a guy like him is just like on his knees at this this thing. And how far reaching the evil is too. Like he's. I'm assuming thousands of light years away and he's just hearing its voice is, is causing this guy to drink brown goo. Exactly. Yeah. That's enough to like totally destroy him. Um, uh, and so, so basically, yeah. And then the great, was like, Oh, don't worry. I'm coming soon. I'll be with you soon. And then he just hangs up the phone. (laughs) That's really ominous. Yeah. Really Um, intimidating boss. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so one other thing too. So like, um, so so like, Zork has to get these stones because like, otherwise the great evil is going to kill him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the great basically, evil was flexing hardcore. Yeah, the great evil. <laughs> he was like, so basically the great somehow he got into contact with the great evil, and was like, I will bring you the stones if you spare me when you destroy the planet. He's like, okay, um, but you have to do your end of the bargain. Otherwise, I'm gonna consume you. Mm-hmm. Um, silly human. Uh, that's what happens when you make a deal with like something even worse than yeah. Devil. yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. So then Zorg like told his uh, his homie his right like the guy's name literally is the right hand. Bring like find me the stones. You have one hour. It's <laughs> like so impossible. <laughs> that in one hour. Like he literally said, "You have one hour." So this guy, what he does is he uh, rigs a freaking cockroach with a uh, like an like antenna, a tra- <laughs> an antenna and a transmitter. And so he's like, he's like controlling it. And then he got the cockroach into the president's office, and he's like hearing the conversation. And they're and they're like, "Okay, the stones are with Diva Pavel Laguna. Um, we're gonna do a, a covert mission to acquire them." Um, and we'll send our best person who's going to be Corbin. Uh, and then, yeah, it's this funny thing, like the president sees a cockroach and he crushes it with it, with his boot. He blows um, out this guy's ear, drops yeah. in the process. <laughs> I feel so bad for this guy. Like he, cause you know, like he's, it's, it's like one of those where you get into a job and you just like, you can't quit mm. where they're like, Oh, but we really need you. We really need you to do this thing. And then for him, it was like, probably some intimidation and also like, you know, I need, I need you to go steal this information from me. I need you to do this. And it's just get deeper and deeper. And then you're just like, totally screwed. 
Yeah, I feel pretty bad for the right hand. <laughs> like, yes. he's trying really hard. Like, he thought of putting a freaking antenna and, like, transmitter a on a cockroach, and he was able to do it. <laughs> like, he doesn't look like the most technical savvy guy, so I give him credit for that. Yeah. Um, so then we get, we got Corbin again. So he gets a letter in the mail or whatever, and he's, like, eating lunch with this Asian guy. Very stereotypical Asian guy. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This was, like, the most stereotypical Asian guy of all time. Yeah, that was a like, thing. <laughs> like, oh, my. Wow. 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 I mean, it's just, like, it's just real off every Asian, like, Chinese stereotype you could think about, you know? Yeah, they, that happened. <laughs> yeah, that happened. Um, but, yeah, so, so yeah, he's just, you know, just saying all this stuff. They're having lunch. And then he's like, oh, you should you should read this letter. It could be good. And he's like, no, the last time I got news, it was my wife divorced me. And she left with my lawyer, <laughs> basically. And then he's like, OK, I'll read the letter for you. And he reads the letter. It's like, oh, you're fired. Like, mm, so more bad news. <laughs> more bad news. And but they have like a wager. It's like, oh, if it's if it's bad news, uh, I'll give you free lunch. And he's like, Corbin's like, well, at least I got free lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, oh yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, again, more more. Ser- it's so it's like funny, but it's so stereotypical. It's like so, this Asian yeah, character. yeah. It's, and then oh, he flies away on a boat. <laughs> Like one of these like 1800s Chinese barges that that's that somehow turned into a flying ship. He did it. <laughs> and he just flies around giving people lunch. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, that was a thing. So so then uh Corbin gets a call from his mom, and the mom character is pretty fun. I know, Very I love funny. the mom character. I know some people who are like this in real life. Like, oh, you never like, call me. What do you want me to just drop dead? Maybe okay. I should. I feel like I feel like the mom <laughs> I feel like the mom this is like it's like Brenda Lee in the future. <laughs> yeah. Like literally Brenda Lee in the future. Oh, you like, can't pick up the phone the and call your mother? Oh, don't tell me you're busy. I know you're not busy. Did you lose your job again? <laughs> oh, yeah. oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Like the guilt tripping is astounding. Oh my god. Oh my god. Just like a, just Nothing but a guilt trip. Nothing but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so then, and yeah, because she's, so she's mad because he won the Floss in Paradise thing. And he has no idea what's going on. He doesn't he's care. Not. He's like, what do you mean I won? I didn't win it because they, they would have told me. And then he gets something in the mail immediately. Uh, who passes? What, are you not going to take your mother? <laughs> I don't deserve it. I only carried you for nine months. Plus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad my mom isn't like this. Oh my god. So yeah. So okay, and then the military shows up and he's like, oh shit. <laughs> like something's afoot. So basically they tell, oh yeah, so we uh we wanted you to do this mission. He's like, I've retired. It's like, well, you know, we think you're the only guy who's like got uh you know the skills and they they like have this long list of like skills required for this mission or whatever. <laughs> and he's a major, by the way, uh Corbin. And so then they were like, you know, they, he opens the letter. He's like, oh, look, you won this contest to go to Floss in Paradise. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you guys rigged it. He's like, yeah, you know, the oldest tricks are the best tricks. <laughs> um, so then Lilu shows up. And it's Lilu and, uh, well, they, he doesn't see Cornelius. He, 
it, it feels like in this world, when someone's knocking on your door, your apartment door, you kind of got to be a little cautious. Yeah, it's almost right? because I almost feel like people don't communicate this way. They, they don't communicate in person so much anymore. And so when someone does show up at your door, it's almost like, oh, this is serious, which is very like true nowadays, I feel like, with how we how we deal with like our issues on social media or how we deal mm -hmm. with relationships on social media and stuff like that. So if it's, if it's in person, this is serious. <laughs> oh yeah. By the way, one, one, another anachronism to talk about is like the cell phones are super tiny. They're like, this was back when we were trying to make cell phones as small as possible mm -hmm. until we figured out, Oh wait, the, the phone is just going to become a computer. So the screen need to get bigger. But I thought that's funny. He's got this really tiny like cell phone when he's mm -hmm. talking to his mom. <clears throat> Um, so Lilo shows up, but then Cor Cornelius is there and he's like, oh, we got to steal your thing. I'm sorry. Ish. You know, seems, seems like the, you know, like the, the priests in this religion, they'll, they'll go there. Right. Oh, you yeah. know? They'll go there. He whacks him over the head with like some kind mm -hmm. of metal or some kind of statue and just takes yeah. his shit and leaves. <laughs> yeah. So, and this, this seems really interesting because there's, there's like four things going on at the same time. Yeah. So everyone knows that Corbin everyone knows that Corbin won the contest and basically there's like four different people trying to, um, <laughs> trying to get Corbin pretty much so that they can take his place <clears throat> and go to floss in paradise. So the military wants him to do the mission. Cornelius wants to take the, the ticket so that he can go and do the mission <clears throat> and get the stones. The, the cops were told by the right hand that Cornelius had like a bomb or something like that. Or, or, I'm sorry, that Corbin had like a bomb. And so the, his plan was, you know, say that Corbin has a bomb, the cops take out Corbin, I assume Corbin's identity. Uh, so the, then the cops are after him. And then the Mangalores are after Corbin because they want to get back at Zorg there's like five different things going on. <laughs> yeah, there's like it's like definitely like a, a Marx Brothers gag where there's ten different things going on at once and it's chaos. And at any moment, the the protagonist is going to be found out. So he shoves the military guys in his in his refrigerator basically and shoves them into a wall. He stuffs Cornelius into the bed that folds into the wall and he puts Lilu in the shower that goes up into the ceiling. <laughs> And he frames some other guy and it makes that yeah. guy assume his identity. So the right hand thinks that he's off the hook. So the cops let him off the hook because they think they've got the right guy. And the Mangalore just don't know. They just they just keep going on with whatever's the, happening. The, so, yeah, it's really. So then the Mangalores take out the cops and they take the guy who the cops think was Corbin, but it's not. And, and so they, they are going to. identity. <laughs> It's 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 like what? It really yeah, it's like one of those old Marx Brothers gags and stuff like that. And at any moment, you're afraid, oh, he's gonna be found out. What's happening? Yeah, I really love that. That too. I used to have this shirt. Uh, I am a meat popsicle. What's the shirt? Um, that's that's what he says to. So he like he like puts his hands on the thing. He looks away so they can't see him. He's like, what is? Are you? I think they say, are you Corbin Dallas or some shit like that? Yeah, I forget. They say something like that. And he's like, oh, negative. I'm a meat popsicle. And then the other guy, so this other guy who's like he's like shaving with a knife. He's a real kind of real edgy, edgy guy. Let's put oh, it that yeah. way. 
Uh, and he says, smoke you! Like, you know, they couldn't say the other thing to keep it keep it PG-13. Um, and then <laughs> Corbin's like, wrong answer, buddy. And they take him out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so this this whole this whole charade is really funny. And then it ends with, you know, he lets out Lilu and she's like, you know, she got yeah, again another she another got all red. Oh my god. <laughs> another pr- uh, hot girl troll. Oh no, you got you got you got all wet. Oh let me help you. I'm so let sorry. Me warm you up and have this intimate moment that was totally unnecessary. Oh my god, it's so funny. Yeah. So so that happens. Um and then you know, again, like you said, she just like gets naked, doesn't even think about it. And then Cornelius and uh, Corbin, they're like, oh, let's not look at her. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, Cornelius takes a medal, knocks him out, steals the ticket. Uh, Corbin gets, Corbin accepts the mission, and then boom, we're off. Um, so so then we get into this, this the other part of this, this like you said, this, this Marx Brothers, everyone's impersonating everyone kind of thing. Oh yeah, the gag keeps going. It doesn't it keeps stop going. there. Yes, it's an ongoing gag for like thirty minutes. <laughs> so, um, so Cornelius gets his protege David to impersonate Corbin, and so him and Lulu were going to go off on the planet. And that goes off like a fart in church because this kid does not have any game and cannot keep it cool. Well, this this guy, they they really kind of sh- we haven't talked much about him, but he he is like, I mean, if you snap your fingers, this dude jumps mm, for sure. I mean, he is scared of everything. Like he is scared of everything. That's his that's his one character type trope or whatever, basically. Um, and we we saw we saw it a bunch, like in the. Uh, in the first, the first time that they meet Cornelius, uh, David, he's there. He's like sewing something. He's like so. He's like sewing a. Uh, <laughs> he's like. <laughs> he's just sewing something. We don't know what he does. I, I think he's like sewing one of those robes or whatever that they wear. Probably he might be sewing his own for when he ascends to a higher, you know, um, yeah. rank or something. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. On my so, robe. <laughs> yeah, and so he's in there sewing, and then uh, Cornelius bursts in. He's like, "Oh my god." And so yeah, he's super. He's he's really fleety, and he's really gets scared. And Corbin basically shows up and is like, "Get the fuck out of here!" <laughs> I got this. And he just yeah. goes. He just yeah, wanders he, off. He's like, "Yeah, he I'm runs not, away. I'm not suited for this." <laughs> he runs away. <laughs> and then we get this great the multi pass stuff. Yep. Um, and you know, Lilu's like a multi pass, multi pass. Like that's like the the newest word she's learned. And I I love I just love like the way that he like this whole the whole thing with the two of them, it's so funny like the way they framed it it's like it's like one of those things where you just like throw two people like a couple together or something like that's what it really felt like mm-hmm. you know it's like yeah, oh these guys they're a couple we're going on a vacation or whatever yeah when any sane person would be like yeah these people don't know each other that well <laughs> yeah it's like two he's really high strung. <laughs> Yeah, it's like two people like, okay, who who put you on this blind date? You know? Exactly. Yeah, she knows it's a multi-pass, sweetie. Yeah, <laughs> She's yeah. so cute, you know. <laughs> just got married. We're super excited. <laughs> She's just like, I love it. I love it too because he just goes into this really kind of New York accent. It's a multi-pass. Okay, yeah. she gets it. <laughs> um. So the but then they're they're off. They're off onto the onto their trip. Um. And then I love this robot, this 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 droid that they have. That's a bar bartender droid, because all it does it just it just do you want some more? 
do you want some more? That's all it says. I love that. Yeah, Cornelius is finally just unburdening himself. He's like, okay, I did it. I did it. I can relax now. I'm going to have a couple of drinks. You know, I'll probably go home and take a nap or something. And he's just unburdening himself to this robot. You know what I mean? No. It just shakes its head. It just shakes its head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> and then I talk about David's just like, yeah, I fucked up and takes his drink. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, oh, I should have never given this to you. This is my mission. This is my my destiny. And so he he like decides to try and you know just do something. We'll we'll see what he does. But it's it's really kind of funny. Um. So then Corbin meets Ruby Rod, which is fun. And so he runs a radio show or whatever, something like that. I mean, he's just a big personality, pretty much. Yeah, think of like the most annoying YouTuber influencer coupled with yeah. the most annoying DJ you've ever heard on the radio. <laughs> yeah. And give him a really loud microphone. And that's who Ruby Rod is. And he is, yeah. he's fine with it. He's pretty fine with it. He's an entertainer. Yeah, thought- like, he, they take the entertainer personality and just crank it up. And re- it's like they told Chris Tucker, you know what, just go for it. And go he did. for it. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, it's, it's really funny. Um, he like buzzes. He's like, get away, you, my, my entourage. Like <laughs> and they're totally they're, yes men. They're totally yes men. They're like, oh my God, you did so great, honey. You were fantastic. And he's super effeminine, but he's like kind of masculine too. He's this weird amalgamation. It's kind of like how Prince was super effeminine, but extremely masculine at the same time. And you couldn't really you couldn't really label him or put him in a box or anything like that. And he's just like, at the end of it, he just lights up a cigarette. He's like, how did I do? And they're like, oh, you were great. And he tries giving like this pep talk to Bruce Willis. And Bruce Willis is just like, I don't give a shit about anything. He literally lifts him off the ground and like chokes him. Yeah, it's hilarious. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's so funny. And so then, you know, this, this joke keeps playing out. So the Mangalores show up as the guy, as the wrong guy. For Corbin Dallas, um, I guess they have this technology where they can like kind of blend themselves to look different. <laughs> it starts malfunctioning. <laughs> <laughs> Those two like, actors were really good. Like, like they barely have any dialogue as their own like voices. It's kind of like dubbed over with like the real Mangalore um, <laughs> voice or whatever. But she's the the female one. Is just like stop it. <laughs> <laughs> and I love the I love the um, concierge or the check in girl who's just like. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then she so she like hits this button to scan like their their body, and it's like danger, very dangerous. He's like, Ugh. it doesn't say like apprehend or stay away no. from it, it says dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> and she's, she's like, like yeah, okay, and they're just like, yeah, we'll we'll be right back. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then a shootout um, ensues and everything. Yeah, so so then so then. <laughs> The main goal is going to do a shootout with the cops. By the way, in this whole um, thing, I don't. It's again, there's just so many interesting choices. The, this because uh, this is basically an airport. It's full of trash. Literally, it's full of trash. And like, I, trash. I forget what it was, but I've always, I've always heard that New York City has always had a trash problem. Like in the '70s, there was a huge trash problem. I'm pretty sure. And then everything with Rudy Giuliani and putting it all on like a, on an island or some shit like that, or on a bar. Listen to Jersey. I mean that that Jersey is like uh, I'm serious, Jersey Jersey. Like, you think I'm joking? But like that Jersey ex- half of Jersey exists to 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 consume New York trash. That is hilarious. Um, 
but yeah like there's always trash everywhere and i just feel like that's like another like jab at like americans like that from this like foreign filmmaker who's just he just exacerbates it or maybe he's not maybe it's very true but like new york city i guess has always had like a trash problem so i think it's funny that it's everywhere it's literally (laughs) everywhere yeah it's just just heaps and heaps and heaps of trash in this airport in the airport like how the hell did the trash get that that's when you know there's a trash problem right yep it's even in the airport um yeah so they get into a shootout with the cops the mangalores get into a shootout with the cops and then the right hand he shows up he's like oh i'm corbin dallas (laughs) and she's just like uh i'm not buying this anymore (laughs) yeah and then she's like peace out i got one corbin dallas he's already on the flight bye-bye um, check-ins are over and she just yeah. she's like i'm done check-ins are over <laughs> and then he gets really mad and he like starts banging on the thing and then these guns come out Place that's actually really in, in the yellow circles yeah that's actually really scary like to be honest that 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 to me is like a true horror movie is like you are stuck with some machine that is threatening your life and it's just telling you to do things and if you don't comply the right way, you're gonna get blown up. Yeah, like that is that to me. That's really scary. And this poor that's guy really is so strung out. Like he's I been know. working so hard. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And because then later he has this conversation with Zorg. He's like, he calls Zorg. He's like, Zorg's like, okay, you're on the plane, right? He's like, uh, no, I'm sorry. The the real Corbin Dallas. You know he's on the flight. I couldn't. I couldn't figure it out. And it's really funny too. Cause it's like there's there's no way. There's no way to get on this flight. And then you cut to uh, Cornelius hiding inside of the the plane. Yeah. <laughs> he like gets on the tire. Um, so funny. And then Zorg blows him up. Zorg literally blows up his right hand man. <laughs> just presses a button. Just blows him up. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. <laughs> So funny, yeah. So um, another one of my favorite lines in this is like, so they're the plane's about to take off, and there are these workers that are like, they're burning these. I don't know. I guess galactic parasites. That Something like on. that. Yeah. Yeah, these things, and they're also kind of. Uh, I guess it's a nuclearly power. It's a nuclear powered spaceship, because they they take out these massive. Or I don't know what. I don't. I don't know what this. This is green liquid that powers the ship and so they're exchanging that and also burning off these you know parasites and the dude's like you know and they're all like smoking weed or whatever while they're working it's like we need some heat man give us some heat <laughs> bring the I, heat over here man i know i love how they're used how they're like handling most likely this toxic material that makes the plane fly and without any like hazard material like suits or anything like that they're just like smoking doobie and like sh- putting the the fuel in basically i like yeah. that part they're just like yeah man yeah. <laughs> they love their job <laughs> it's so easy yeah yeah no i mean you just you just kill the parasites and you you know uh reload the plane <laughs> but yeah you get this really like it's stuff like this that's like really good world building mm-hmm. because it's all these little details it's really kind of fun and memorable uh but it really shows you like this is this is a very kind of cosmopolitan place, you know. There's all kinds of people. Like that guy, that guy looks like he's like Haitian or Jamaican or something, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's really it's really cool. 
I also like that they show like the gross underbelly of something like a luxury liner or something like that. Like it's still gross. Like there's still parasites that grow on the ship wherever the hell they come from. Yeah. But they're bad enough to where they have to set them on fire. Yeah, they have to set them on fire and they like they like kind of pulsate like when they when they burn them. <laughs> so gross. Yeah. Um yeah, so then and then we get this 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 sexual stuff with Ruby Rod, which is kind of fun. <laughs> So ridiculous. <laughs> Once again, so very 90s of having like having some kind of machine start and finish, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Cut with a weird sex scene that yeah, is very it, 90s. Yeah. Like they're inserting the thing or yeah. they're taking off. Yeah. Like, there's an explosion and there's like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're like intercutting all this stuff and it's like explosion. You see like a, a frame of this woman and like the the plane takes off. Yeah, like it's, it's yeah, like, okay. we get the metaphor. It's not that hard to see. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, it's totally ridiculous. Um but yeah, so then yes we get some more stuff. So like now the um the Lilu relationship with Corbin starts to kind of heat up, build up. Um She's like, oh, I'm the fifth element. I'll protect you. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then they like, they get. I guess they have a button to put people to sleep. Yeah, so that they sleep through like the long part of the journey or whatever. Maybe so they don't get sick. Like, I don't. What do they call it? Um, do they call it hyperspeed or? I forget. I don't know if they actually mentioned a name for they, it. They might. I. I don't know if I. I don't think I remember. Maybe it's just so they don't get sick or this part of the journey is going to be super boring so you might as well just take a nap like until we get yeah. to the good stuff so or maybe so you don't get jet lag when you get there who knows yeah. what it's for but it knocks him out but i do think yeah, it's knocks. cute how she's like um he i think he even says like first oh i'll take care of you and i'll make sure nothing yeah. happens to you she's like who the hell are you kidding <laughs> yeah yeah she was uh i'm the supreme being of the universe i'll protect you I know who i am maybe yeah. i wasn't clear yeah I mean, and this was something I talked about before, too, like in the, you know, if this came out today, there'd be so much more. And they, they I mean, this, this feels like, this feels like, like the franchise potential on this is like so high because mm -hmm. we don't even really know much about uh, Lilu, like what, what her powers are. What can she do? Yeah. <laughs> right? we, get, like, we, like, we get like a taste of it here and there, but we don't see the full potential, most of the full potential until like the very end of the movie. Um, but yeah, no, there's, there's tons of stuff there that you could have gone further with or possibly could go further with if they ever decide to do more with the story. Um, and I don't know, do we ever really find out why Corbin wasn't in the military anymore? I assume it was something disgraceful. Like maybe he bent the wrong rule or something. Maybe. It actually does seem that he got an honorable discharge, but they, they don't really talk about that. It seems like he was just kind of over it. Yeah. Um, he does make this comment about uh, the military ruined my last marriage. Oh, yeah, he maybe he got in the way of like him being with his wife and stuff like that. So uh, mm -hmm. maybe it wasn't something like dishonorable. Maybe he was just kind of like, yeah, it ruined my marriage, left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, yeah, that's what it kind of seems like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so then they, they, <clears throat> they're off to on, you know, Floss in Paradise. Uh, and it's basically like going to Hawaii. Um, they they nice. wake up. Yeah. They wake up and it's like they got the the hula people and they give you the lays. That's these uh the flowers. They give you the lays and um 
Corbin's got this massive suite. It's a pretty nice setup of <laughs> what they got. Got this massive suite. And um, they even have like, okay, I don't know how they had suits that fit him on like just ready. Just like a whole closet full of them. But and he also got got a ticket to see the diva, diva's performance, like in the front seat with Ruby. I feel like maybe when he walked through a body scanner, they sized him up and got his measurements. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe that's how they did it. I mean, this is this is for like the rich, riches of the rich, basically. Mm -hmm. This this thing. This. Um, yeah, and so basically, there's kind of this this little thing that happens. So like, they get there. <clears throat> the diva knows that, you know, uh, what's her name is somewhere around, and she she tells one of her like underlings to tell tell Lilu like I'll give you the stones after my performance. Um, and hey, guess what? There's more kind of machinations happening in here. The the um, the Mangalores are on the ship. <laughs> the Mangalores somehow got onto the uh, those flossy Mangalores. Yeah, those pesky Mangalores. Yeah, and so they they have a plan where they want to. They want to get again. They want to get the stones so they can get back in sword. So they they're impersonating some guy, and they they have they, basically their plan is to take the stones uh, from the diva, and then hold them hostage uh, to get negotiate some from Zord. So then we get this really cool <clears throat> the performance of the diva. Like this this is like really fucking cool. This is see. the only scene from this movie that I probably know. Probably. Because I got sucked down a rabbit hole of women actually performing this routine. Yeah. And there's one Chinese opera singer who basically did it. Like the whole thing. It's possible. It is possible, yeah. It's supposed to be impossible for a human, but it is possible. Um and it's cool. Like, yeah, it's cool when you see actual people do it or whatever. No, it's, it's a really amazing. cool song too. It really is. Oh, and the one thing I love about the most is that it does sound very alien. Like it, it's this. Oh, it's just, it reminds again. I keep. I know I keep going back to Farscape, but Farscape's opening theme music is very similar with like this weird cosmic, like like um, harmonizing with with female vocals and stuff like that. And it's just, it's very, very cool. And I just like the look of the alien too. Like, I can't imagine, yeah. like, she is covered in so much. I'm assuming it's latex. I like, can't imagine, like, like your skin can't <laughs> breathe in that shit. It's, it's you know, I, I um, have you ever seen, uh, what was that movie? Um, X-Men Apocalypse. I think I did. See, that's the one with Oscar Isaac, right? Yeah, yeah. I've seen that one. Oscar Isaac, um, <laughs> he he fucking hated doing that movie. I don't blame him. People hated watching it too. So He's, yeah, he said he fucking hated doing that movie. And he said he hated it because basically they actually did a practical prosthetic on his face, and it was hours of makeup. And then on top of that, they said that they also because he was always in this makeup suit thing, he was like away from the other actors, so he was like off. He's basically exiled on his own. And so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so he was like, fuck that movie, <laughs> basically. <laughs> I, I kind of like, yeah, go ahead. I don't blame him. Like, yeah. I probably would have been pissed, too. Yeah. Hi, yeah. Um, I, I kind of secretly like that movie, but that's that's a conversation for another time. Yeah. Um, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, it's not good, but I, I had fun with it. 
Um, so yeah, anyway, so yeah, this diva performance is like this. This is probably one of the best parts of the movie. It's so fucking cool. Um, and and this song, it, it it goes through a lot of different. So like at first, it's a very kind of it's very operatic, and then it kind of goes into this very poppy, very poppy kind of part of it. Poppy techno ish, very nineties techno. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Very nineties techno. Um, and then you know, meanwhile, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on, like the Lilu somewhere. Lilu's just like chilling. Like she's just like. She like went around the corner of where the diva is and just like stayed there. It's kind of interesting. I think she was probably just gonna wait for her to like show up probably after her performance and then. Oh, you know, you know what it really is. Um, I, now that I think about this, I think that she was like, I think she was kind of scared, because I think that she like basically her thing is she's like, she doesn't think she can do it. I think. Um, I think I think she did. She's kind of afraid. She doesn't think she can actually do it. And I think the other thing too is she's kind of um, just sort of a existential dread, mm, living like up to expectations and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And also, I think that there was because she she does all this stuff where she goes on the internet or whatever. And I think she she kind of it's almost like it's almost like someone who goes on like 4chan for the first time. <laughs> like you you really start to like whoa okay human human beings are are, are terrible. Mm. You know, and you start to have that. Okay, am I? Is this really worth saving? I I, I think that's yeah. what's kind of going on. She has some self doubt and some uh, some questions <laughs> that need to be answered for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so she's chilling, and then the Mangalores just come in and they start killing. They kill the diva's whole entourage looking for the stones, uh, and that pisses Lilo off. Pisses her off because then you know the the the. The Mangalores killed her, basically, and her other uh, Mandashiwa people. They blew up that that uh, aircraft. Um, so she's like, "Okay, fuck this. I'm gonna I'm gonna beat the beat these people up." And so then she goes in, and we get this fun montage of of the singing and her fighting these guys. And what so what do you think of this fight where she's like fighting these these guys? Oh, it was fun. It was fun. It wasn't like the Matrix or anything like that, mm-hmm. but it was it was fun nonetheless. You know, you get to see her prowess. You get to see like she can take on a whole Mangalore, you know, platoon or whatever they call it, um, all by herself and be pretty successful at it. And um, I think she kind of likes it too. <laughs> she's having fun with them. She's taunting them. And yeah, I thought it was a really good scene. Yeah, it's it's fun. Um... Cause yeah, she does all that, like, and it gets it does get a little cartoony. There's a lot of like, you know, literally like, out of a cartoon where she like slaps a guy in the face. Yep. Um, she lines this guy up, and there's a guy behind her, and she does like the punch both of them, punch yeah. the guy behind you, punch the guy. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I think the Mangalores they they don't they're depicted as not being like really intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um. But they do. I, I. But by the way, we gotta talk about like they look really cool. Oh yeah, they look pretty good. That was some good costumes and makeup and everything like that. The makeup that was really is good. so cool. It's really cool. It's really cool. Um, I kind of feel bad for them to be honest. Like I, I, I like, they were they, just they, being they, used. They were totally being used by like the bad guy. Well, everybody. I mean, yeah. we'll, we'll see later. Like they, you know, they they get a rough deal. They need to just get the fuck out of it. You know, I don't know what happened to their 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 culture where they ended up basically being mercenaries for hire. Mm-hmm. 
but that was not good for them. <laughs> Let's put it that way. No, not at all. It's not good at all for them. Um, but yeah, so she beats up these Mangalores. Um, Zorg, by the, and also Zorg. So Zorg is like, okay, I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to get these stones myself. So he tricks uh, the Flosten crew into letting him on onto the ship. He's like, oh, I, I need repairs. Um, my ship is damaged. And there, and the captain's like, lets him on. And this is an interesting scene with the captain and this other guy. It's like, it's like, oh, sir, there's a someone's requesting permission to board. They need repairs. So go, let let them into the docking bay. Ja. He just says ja, and he walks away. <laughs> okay. So they talk. <laughs> I guess anyway. Oh my god! And so, so, but then Zorg shows up. And he's like, "Oh, thank you for doing all the dirty work for me. Um, give me the stones." And so she throws this thing at him, and she he shoots at her. He's like trying to shoot her and kill her. And so, at this point, everything goes wrong. So, <clears throat> the Mangalores, uh, when they see that Lilu takes them out, they're like, "Oh, we got ambushed." And so they're like, "Okay, screw it. Let's uh, let's just take everyone hostage on this ship." So they come out guns blazing. They just start shooting people, and they shoot the they shoot the diva. Um, everyone's panicking. So, and I really like this this set that they had for the opera. It's really mm-hmm. cool. It's really cool. But yeah, everyone's now fleeing. Everyone's running. Uh, Ruby and <laughs> it's really funny. Ruby and uh, Corbin get stuck there while everyone else is fleeing. So there's a bunch of Mangalores coming at them. And they're stuck and everyone else. And like it's so funny, like the the um the entourage is like, no, Ruby, we need you. Ruby, no, no. But then they get taken off and like yep. Ruby's Ruby Rod's stuck. And yep. he, but he's also broadcasting this I, I don't know what you would call it. It's it's like a like a, I, I've, a vocal stream of consciousness, basically. Yeah. Like he's not you can't see him, there's no visuals, but he's just talking. He just keeps broadcasting because he has two hours to broadcast. Yeah. yeah. So another thing that, and again, this is this is something that because this this film is like it's kind of in and of itself, and they don't really answer the questions. Uh, Lilo gets shot a bunch of times, but she doesn't die. Mm-hmm. Now, again, they never explain it or tell us or anything. I mean, you know, but <laughs> you know, of course, my mind's like, okay, she she can probably regenerate or something like that, you know, but. You know, they just they never tell us. They never they never really tell us. And so we just have to make it up ourselves. Mm-hmm. Which is it's so interesting because it's like it's totally the opposite of the world we live in now. Oh, absolutely. It's so cause like now they we'll we'll give you everything. And it's it's all about putting stuff into the viewer's mind about what the character can do and all their powers and all that. But with her, it's just she's the supreme being of the universe and you know, we get the fight scene and you know. That's about it. And we see her get shot and she doesn't die. Yeah, she's... I'm assuming she has some kind of regenerative regenerative powers, but maybe it's taking her a while because she also feels really defeated. So that existential crisis is now kind of bleeding into her ability to heal herself because she's kind of like giving up. She's kind of like, eh, I don't really know if you're worth saving anymore. Because I went on the uh- internet. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Wow. That's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah, she is very deflated. Um, she's very deflated at this, at this point in the in the story. Um, but yeah, so she gets shot up. She like goes into the ceiling or whatever, and then Zorg shoots her up. Uh, but then he just bounces. He just leaves. He sets a bomb for twenty minutes. Um, and you know, there's this conversation with the diva. 
And, you know, basically the diva says, oh, the fifth element needs your love. She needs your help or else she's going to die, blah, blah, blah. And, and yeah, Corbin, I think he kind of doesn't get it at first, but then he's like, oh, okay, now I see. And then she's like, oh, the stones are in me. And so he literally has to take the stones out of this dead alien Ugh. stomach. That was rough. Yeah. No, what I'm wondering is like, okay, this, see, this is the other thing too, like, Oh, I think I lost you. I don't know if you can still hear me. Brief intermission, folks. Well, it's just me for now. We're having some technical difficulties. I'd tell you some jokes, but I don't know any good ones. So, except um, how did the farmer find his wife? Tractor. Bottom crash. This is a thread that I just pulled from my comforter. Um, it's red. Um, that's what's happening <laughs> until we come back with our regularly scheduled program. Oh, there you are. Hi. Yeah, sorry about mumbling. that. I've literally okay. just been mumbling to myself. I told it's a bad not... joke and that was it. No, it's all good. Sorry about that. My computer like just real reset or whatever. <laughs> no um, worries. But yeah, what I was saying was like, okay, so the diva had to eat these things, right? Yeah, I don't know what was up with that. I don't know if she could swallow them or if there was some kind of operation. But okay, so this is this is what just kind of came to my mind, right? So I feel like I feel like it makes sense that she would eat them because, like, if you think about it, it's like it has to do with the fact that she can like sing well, pretty mm -hmm. much. So she's able to like create these kind of weird vocal ranges. And so, yeah, she could just swallow these stones. <laughs> no problem. Knock them back. Yeah. So she just like ate water them. With some. Yeah. But she yeah, again, those, those are more like things that are just left for our imagination. There's so okay. much, there's just so much that they just leave out there for us to think about. And it just never, it never, it's all just in this movie and nothing else. It's all in your head. <laughs> It's all in your head. It's left for you to wonder and think about for a while. Yeah. So yeah, I, I um, that's definitely that's definitely like something interesting. That yeah, she basically ate these stones, and then he had to pull them out of her stomach, and she's got all this blue blood. It's really, it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um. Okay. So then Corbin, Corbin is like, I forget. They they make some jokes, which is some kind of funny jokes about this. But basically, he he tries to shoot his way out of the situation. Uh, he comes out gun bla guns blazing. He comes out. He shoots like four or five of them, uh, and then they. <laughs> but he's outgunned because they have like this. Uh, I don't know what a, a turret. It's it's literally a turret. Um, 
and they fire like a missile at him. <laughs> and then, um, you know, he's just trying to survive and he has to like jump off into this, uh, like basically it's a bar. He's taking cover in a bar. Mm-hmm. And then we get this weird joke where, um, so they talk about there's this guy, I guess he's a rich guy or something, whatever, but he's deaf. He can't hear anything, basically. And Corbin is like, oh, hey, just give me the gun. Give me the gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. the gun. They and the guy's like, your balls. <laughs> <laughs> like, your balls. And Corbin's like, yeah. And then, but then, you know, Corbin, he figures out a way out of it. Like, you know, he's, he's, Again, the Mangalores are not very smart. They 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 get him right, but then you know they don't they don't really take him out. He's like, oh no, I'm don't shoot me. I'm I'm you know I, I'm just here with my wife or whatever. Yep. <laughs> it's like, dude, this guy just killed like eight people. Like you probably don't want to, you know, you, you probably want to take him more seriously than they did. Yeah. Um, and then we get this again, kind of cartoony thing where he he like one of the Mangalores is on basically a seesaw, mm-hmm. and so then. Corbin jumps and the guy seesaws up and then he just starts firing at random, kills some people. Yeah. He kills all of his friends, basically. Kills all of his friends. Corbin takes his gun. Uh, and then some more Mangalores. So like Ruby is up a floor. And so then the Mangalores come out from the top floor and they're like looking for Corbin. Corbin shoots around Ruby to make the thing collapse, which is there's it's, some it's, shenanigans. <laughs> yeah, there's some cartoony ass shit in this movie. But it's fun, you know? Yeah. Um, and then Corbin throws a bomb up beneath where the other Mangalores are. It's like count to ten, and they're they they get under the billiard table and they're like trying to escape. They're getting shot at. And then the bomb explodes. <laughs> like Rufy's like, like, oh my god, he's so funny in this. Like, like he's screaming hysterically, which I would probably be doing too in this situation. I'd probably be pretty hysterical too. He's like, like, man, I, I feel like they probably just told him just go, just keep going crazier, because he is just screaming. <laughs> On top of the fact that he has a microphone attached to his face, like yeah. it just amplifies it even more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so they've they've now es- oh oh then <laughs> there's this other thing where. So they the 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 Mangalores, they 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 took over the ship the the helm of the ship and so they have all the people hostage, and so um, Corbin goes there and Cornelius is there too. Cornelius is like like he got sucked into the situation, um, and so then they're they're trying to figure out what to do in this with this, this hostage situation so corbin's like oh let me let me handle it like the other guy like there's some other guy he's like he's like a comedic actor i've seen him in some other stuff i forget exactly i, I saw him in i forget what it was called but he did this movie with nathan lane yeah they mouse, buy hunt. This, mouse hunt yeah yeah i recognized him immediately i'm like oh yeah he was in mouse mm-hmm. hunt i love that movie yeah yeah so so he's like oh yeah i'm here to negotiate um, but I've, I've never negotiated before. He's like, let, let me negotiate. I'll take it. Um, yeah. And so then Corbin like shoots like five of them. He just like shoots them and kills them. Um, and then, and then he's like, oh, the Mangalores, they don't, they don't negotiate without the leader. We got to find the leader. And then the, the Mangalore leader's like, he's got, he's got, he's literally got Cornelius at gunpoint. He's like, we're going to negotiate. It's like, oh, I think that's the leader. Um, like, yeah. Yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> and he comes in and just shoots him in the head. 
Yeah, another thing with like I feel like nineties action hero tropes is that they never miss unless it's the real bad guy. But if it's just like the the B class bad guys, they never miss. <laughs> they always get it. And so this is why I feel so bad for the Mangalores. Like all they wanted was was more weapons or whatever. Like like they they're not they're not in the situation to like kill people really. Mm-hmm. They're they're just like a, a series of bad things because like you can see the line where it's like their let's say their 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 planet got invaded, right? The Federation didn't help them. They become outcasts, so then they become uh, basically mercenaries for hire for anyone. Yeah, and and so it's like, okay, can you really blame them for you know trying to get as much money out of every situation as they can? Exactly. Again, it's one of those things about this movie that leaves you wondering and guessing about what motivates them and what made them become mercenaries for hire, basically. And they're not very good at it, but it's like all they can do maybe to like get some more weapons, better ships, maybe some food. Who knows what's going on with the rest of them? Yeah. Get, get, get their own planet or something, you know, Mm -hmm. be able to protect themselves. Um, Cause like, you know, like negotiate probably meant like, give it, let us get out of here. Yep. Give us guns or something. Give us some money. Negotiate, just shoot them. Yeah, I just I feel so bad. I feel so bad for them because they just get screwed over again and again and again and again. Um, and you know, again, they're they're not the big bad. They're just some, you know, they're the bumbling idiots. But I don't know. I I, I feel bad in that situation yeah. for them. <laughs> um. So yeah. So then, okay, they've de-escalated that. Corbin finds Lilu. She's like in the. Uh, the diva suite just like hanging there um kind of again and there's like a scene we see her she's 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 just having some kind of crisis she's just like crying and she's sad like you were saying um but yeah but then so then they find oh hey look there's a bomb and he's like no it's not a bomb like if there was a bomb then the the thing would go off and tell us it's a bomb and tell us to, to evacuate and then immediately it's like there is a bomb on on this on on board. You have to evacuate now. They're like, oh shit. And I love um, how Chris Tucker grabs like Ian Holm. He's like, that's not a that's not what I think it is, right? Like he doesn't even know who Cornelius is. He just grabs yeah. the first person he sees. Yeah. And is like, yeah. that's not what I think it is, right? He's like, no, if it was a bomb, like I just love the way he talks. It's so funny. He's almost like he's trying to reassure himself. Yeah. And it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. So then Zorg comes back. Uh, and he just starts shooting people because he, you know, he knows there's a bomb. He knows, you know, he, but he's looking for the stones. So he comes back on board. And so we get this funny kind of thing. So he uh, comes in as they're leaving. And so they don't even see each other. They just totally pass each other. And then they steal his ship to escape. And so then he gets on. Zorg's on there. He deactivates the bomb but the mangalores have a backup bomb yeah the mangalores kind of get the last laugh on them they do get the last laugh and the backup bomb blows up the whole ship and corbin lilu cornelius and ruby they get the hell out of there uh and then you know basically the the great evil's like okay my 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 pawn got taken destroyed so now i have to i have to go and destroy earth it's time to just do it um because like you know basically they wanted to get the stone so that there was no way that earth could protect itself but didn't have enough time so he's just he's just gonna go and blow up and so basically it's like a massive 
meteor headed towards Earth. It's just going to blow it up. Um, and then, so they talk to the president. The president's like, you know, okay, you have like two hours before uh, it blows up the Earth. And Corman's like, okay, I'll talk to you in two hours. Bye-bye. And they're like, what? No! <laughs> so they're flying to the, the temple to, um, you know, stop, stop. You know, basically, they have the stones. They have Lilu. They have to activate the weapon before it destroys the planet. Um, okay, so then they get to the temple, and they have the stones, but they don't know how to activate them. They don't know how to what to do. And Lilu's kind of not really being forthcoming. She's sad still um yeah and so she she tells them some stuff but it doesn't it's very vague it's like oh the wind blows and the <laughs> you know it's like like what the fuck does that mean <laughs> yeah i know wind blows but how does that help us kind of a thing and i love the that earth... they discover completely by accident yeah like they do. yeah and it's david like the most useless character like mm -hmm. kind of helps them figure it out because he just like he's exasperated like oh we're all gonna die or whatever we're, we're not gonna make it and he like you know, kind of sighs deeply and it kind of opens up and then they're like, oh, okay, so like you got to blow wind to get wind. You got to use fire to get fire. You got to use earth or you get earth and water to get water. So they're opening all the, the, the things and then they're like, oh, I don't have a match. I don't have anything to make fire. And so Corbin has like one match left and we get the super dramatic like, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, but then, yeah, he's able to like do it and open it. Uh, but then, still, you gotta activate the fifth element, which is Leo. Uh, and so she's like, she's just like, because then I, I forget. I think it was while she's on the plane, she like looks at, she goes on the internet again, and you know, <laughs> I feel like we've all been there, right? Where you go on the internet and you just get in that bad, you you get to the bad part and you just start yeah. getting. Yeah. That's what she did. Yeah, you just start getting bombarded with like bad news and you're just kind of you just kind of give up a little bit. Yeah, she she went on the bad part of the internet and she just started consuming some some real some real, you know, she's like and the, <laughs> she like she read about the coronavirus. Basically. Yeah, pretty much. You know, World War II, Nazis, you know, the bomb. Mm -hmm. All of the bad stuff. All the bad stuff. And so she just has like this existential crisis and she's just like, you know, doesn't believe that she can do it. Um, and so basically Corbin's like, you know, pretty much he just says, I love you. Like, oh, I, you have to do it because I love you. I need you. And then they make out and then it's like, it works. So basically the fifth element is love. That's what Aww. the fifth element is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they do it. They stop the great evil. And the great evil, so then, you know, all these elements come together and then they're channeled through her and they destroy the great evil. Stop it. Um, and the great evil basically turns into like a moon. That's also implied in this interesting universe. For real. Yeah. Um, <laughs> very interesting stuff. Uh, but yeah, the good guys win. And um, yeah, so what do you think about this ending? Like, how did it, how did it, uh, did it work for you? Did you like it? Yeah, it worked fine for me. You know, they defeat evil. Lilu, you know, discovers her true power, and she's still a boss-ass, you know, lady. And uh, love conquers all, man. Love conquers all. Love conquers all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, the movie ends. We get this kind of, like, kind of little postscript where they're they're in some, I don't know, some kind of healing chamber or something, and they're making out or whatever. And the president showed up, and then the president talks to the mom. 
Yeah, he gets to, he gets an earful from the mom character. You're not the president. The president's an asshole. You don't sound like an asshole. My son, where's my son? <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. That, that character is so spot on, honestly. Oh yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So so what do you think? Like this. So this is like the first time we've really kind of seen the movie. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, did you like it? Yeah, I liked it. I would definitely watch it again. You know, it's again one of those moments where I'm just like, ah, I probably should have watched it sooner. But you know, I'm glad I'm watching it now at least. Um, I don't know if I ever really had the opportunity to or ever really wanted to. Like, I've heard about the movie for years, but I just never watched it. Um, yeah. But no, I really liked it. I'm glad I watched it because it's it's such a random amount of different actors that I never would have like put together before. And I like movies like that. I I think they they tend to give off a lot of good chemistry with one another. And it's just really good. There's moments where you can tell Bruce Willis is trying not to laugh at Chris <laughs> Tucker. Like that was the best take they could use of him not laughing. And it was just really good. Also, like, I feel like Bruce Willis is one of those actors who's actually in more sci-fi movies than people give him credit for. Like, I feel like I've seen him in a bunch of different sci-fi kind of movies. Maybe not a bunch, but like, there's a few. There are a few, yeah. He's done a lot of different stuff, actually. Um, yeah, because this is this is really I really what do you think of like his his the way they did his hair in this? Oh, I thought it fit the aesthetic yeah. of like the whole thing. Like even his shirt is weird. Like there's like it, it weird is. holes in it in the back. Like it's not like a wife beater or something like that. It's just you know it's just a a weird shirt that he's wearing. <laughs> um, I thought it was fine. I thought it looked good. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, there's a lot. There's you know definitely like you were we were talking about the the way that they depict the feature and, you know, yeah, all the stuff with the trash and all the stuff with, uh, you know, the really bulky kind of outfits of like the police and like those aliens at the beginning. It's very unique. It's a very unique take on the future. Yeah. That's, sure. why I, I, that's why I'm just like, it has its own flavor to it. It's not like any other sci-fi movie or TV show you'll watch again. It's very much its own thing. Um, it's like its own brand of sci-fi that I really like. Totally. I really kind of wish that they would do a sequel or it had, I mean, it, now it's too late really. Um, but the I just feel like the world that they built is like, there's so much there. There really is. And there's a lot that just gets touched on the surface. Oh yeah, it's all very surface level stuff. There, it goes much deeper. It could go. It could go much deeper. Um, yeah. Because clearly, this they've defeated this evil before. It's not the first time it's come around. And it will come back again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's yeah. I I just I feel like if this movie was made today, and if it was like moderately successful, I mean, man, this movie would have spawned like a million. <laughs> things tv oh, yeah. shows oh absolutely movies. definitely mm -hmm. yeah because it's just so ripe with uh stuff yeah i feel like when it came out it was kind of successful but i i i remember like just seeing it a lot it was on tv a lot um it was just it was it was in a lot of places and so you know i didn't see it in the theater but i did see it like on television i felt like almost immediately it was like in my brain, you know, <laughs> all the mm -hmm. time. Um, yeah, I think any other last comments or thoughts? On this movie? Um, 
not really. Yeah, just watch it. It's it's fun. It's engaging. It's like about two hours long, but it, it clips along fairly fairly well and fairly quickly. Keeps you engaged, and it's funny. It's actually a really funny movie. I wasn't expecting it to be as humorous as it actually turned out to be. Especially that scene with uh, Zorg, and he's choking on the cherry, and all that crazy <laughs> stuff starts happening. Like that was something yeah. I was not expecting, and it just kept going. Like the gags in the movie are really good. Yeah, yeah, he's like pressing all these buttons, and it just it gets more random. Like, yeah, stuff. It's, it's like yeah, it just keeps getting crazier and crazier. And the gag with everyone impersonating Corbin is just great. That, like that said, that's a gag that keeps going for like 25, 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah, that's like a whole thing in the movie, basically. Yeah, um, yeah. cool. Yeah, I, I'd love to see more stuff like about like what what caused the Mangalores to be the way they were. Cause I felt like there's a good story there actually. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to see more of like, you know, um, of like Lilu's like home world and where she's yeah. really from. Who was she, who was she before she became this incarnation of who she was or is and stuff like that. Or yeah. Anything about them. Like, like you were, you were saying like you kind of postulated like maybe they are nomadic. They don't want to stay on a home world for some reason because they, they feel the need to like, they don't want to be a target, maybe, because yeah, they are. Were the stones like always on Earth? They must have been somewhere before being on Earth if they're that old, too. So, mm -hmm. that, that I mean, explore. that's a great point too, because maybe there are uh, other people that are part of this, you know, the the order that Cornelius is, but there are other alien races. Well, I think that there are because the Diva was very, very much willing to help them. And it was very secretive. And I think maybe somewhere on her home world, there's a, maybe the stones were on their world at one point. Mm -hmm. And it's her duty, her duty to, you know, keep going with that, with, an, with a tradition of some kind. So I definitely think there's, def there's other aliens who are involved with them, for sure. Yeah, totally. It is kind of funny, though, that the diva, the diva is alien and her entourage is all humans. Like, there's yeah, no... <laughs> Like there's no other of her, her of her race that are in her entourage. Well, probably because that makeup costs a lot of money. They're like, yeah, we can only do this once. We can only do this one time. Could you imagine, like, like, cause, cause, what's so brutal about doing that stuff is so you have to put on that makeup for hours, right? Exactly. And then, on top of that, you then have to basically get in early, and just sit in a chair and get stuff put on you for hours. Exactly. Yeah. So it makes your day even longer. Yeah, so imagine doing that to like three people instead of one. Like, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I thought that was funny. So it, it does make sense that to, to postulate. Oh, well, the her her race of aliens had also um, been guardians at some point of the stones. I think it's definitely a a very high possibility that they were because she took a very she swallowed stones for God's sakes, like. That's someone who takes it pretty pretty seriously <laughs> what they're doing. Yeah, totally. She was willing to like you know just eat them because <laughs> like I mean what like that's the thing too is like if she lived what was the plan there? I don't know. I think maybe it was a one way trip. <laughs> Give a great maybe? performance and go out with a bang. Oh, go out. Yeah, because that 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 does make me. It just actually makes me think of a lot of kind of interesting things. I mean. You know, we probably would never see it in a PG-13 movie, but I can maybe imagine she has such control of her her bodily organs. Maybe she could just, like, puke them back up. Maybe. Who knows? Like, it's pretty crazy to think about. It's wild. It is, it is super wild. <laughs> it is super wild. 
but anyway, yeah. So this this movie uh, this movie was really solid. Definitely recommend it. It's one of my favorites. The more I watch, the more I like it. Uh, the they did a a 4K restoration of this movie. Looks really good. Looks oh, nice. really good. Yeah. So I would definitely recommend that. It's one of the better ones that I've seen too. It's a little like the one I've seen. It's a little grainy, but you know, film has that grain quality to it. It does. Yeah. You know. Um, and that's that's what makes film film. And this was shot on film, uh, so yeah, it's really it's a really beautiful film. And like, yeah, watch especially watching that scene with the diva in 4K. It's it's phenomenal. It's oh, the phenomenal. sound mixing for it was amazing. It was yeah. so good. Like you go into you start it with a really traditional operatic, you know, mm -hmm. musical number, and then it gets to that weird 90s techno, but it still works with the way she's vocalizing, and it sounds great. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I really, I really like this movie. You would definitely recommend it. It's one of my favorites of all time. It's like, you know, one of those, it's got nostalgia. It's funny. It's cool. There's a lot of, there's just so much there to think about in terms of the world uh, that I just really like this movie. So, all right, cool. Well, yeah, thanks a lot, everybody. Um, really appreciate you stopping by and listening to us talk about Fifth Element. And, um, We'll see you next time. Uh, and may the force be with you. Live long and prosper.